Hey everybody, episode number 114, Hellbass Bass Fishing Podcast, and today, unique episode, a friend of mine, a guide, Billy Coles from Smith Mountain Lake in Virginia joins the show and breaks down a very unique deep to shallow one-two punch for early summer transition. I think you're going to get a lot out of this episode no matter where you live in the United States if you're into chasing bass. Enjoy the episode. This week, the Hell of Ass Bass Fishing Podcast is brought to you by Arsenal Fishing. Arsenal Fishing offers premium custom-made performance apparel and tackle. Arsenal delivers a wide variety of custom-designed baits, accessories, and tools, along with unique utilitarian apparel for all outdoor enthusiasts. As part of their support, you can use code HELLABASS15 to save 15% on all purchases at arsenalfishing.com to support the show. Now let's get back to helping you catch more bass and suck less. All right, here we are back on our good old Wednesday night for HELLABASS Live on a Wednesday night. And things are heating up. Things have gotten warm in Minnesota. Things are warm where Billy is. Summer is definitely either here or around the corner just for about everybody. So it's time to start talking about summer fishing. And uh, my man Billy Coles is coming on. Uh, what's up, bud? What is going on, brother? How are you? Good, good. Nice and cool here in the hoodie in the basement in the studio. Yep. What's and I'm up, probably going to probably start sweating mid mid cast off the brow. Yeah. All right it's all good it's all good we got we got some bait walls looks like you're in the garage yeah yeah set up some of the set up some of the lighting taylor's probably going to rush in at some point and probably forget that i was doing this that's right she can join <laughs> david says uh holy crap i just got off the water and i didn't miss a second nice winning brian darius is checking in from kentucky nice. all right everybody's Everybody says it sounds good, so we're ready to rock and roll tonight. <clears throat> so definitely things in Minnesota, you know, upper Midwest, still a little funk, a post-spawn, but the fish are starting to, the ones that want to be deep <laughs> are starting to get deep. Uh, there, you know, there's still some fry garters and still some inside weed line fish and some cruisers, but there's definitely uh, starting to make that move. Yes, we have. I would say, dude, for you, I mean, the I'm, I'm from Minnesota originally, so obviously I, I know what what you're going through but dude i've been gone so long but it's so interesting to like be just i mean we're only like a day and a half drive away and how different the fishing sure. is i mean dude i was doing what you're talking about two months ago right which is just which is just awesome i did have a bed fish actually this week though um that uh the female was actually pretty big but that's that's <laughs> the latest bed fish i've i've found down here so well then we saw a few of those as well, but they just don't, they don't linger here like they do down South. Like, no. like you would literally see, I mean, there's exceptions when you go up North and Smallies and stuff, you get some like early July bedding fish, but for the like large mouth, it's Gone. rare to see them even like this late now in the middle of June. And then you've got places like Virginia and the Ozarks and stuff where they're still got these stragglers. It's so weird. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. We are looking yeah, good. I, mean, in I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised Rich, if I see, I mean, we're only at eight. We're just hitting eighty degrees. We were still in the seventies. I mean, three four days ago. I I wouldn't be surprised if I probably see one one or two more. Yeah, crazy. Yes, thanks to uh, a new partner, we are in ten eighty recently. So that's nice. Yeah, JP. I don't know if you sent an email, but I haven't seen it. So to claim your uh, 
your prize from a couple weeks ago, send the email to rich at richlingren.com. I might try to put that in chat for you in that other stream. So hopefully you hear this. What's up, Tom? Hope you've been out fishing. Yeah, like, <clears throat> yeah, people are saying it's hot. So, yeah, we're going to talk about summer fishing tonight. <clears throat> and uh, I guess Billy, he, like he mentioned, he uh, he's originally from Minnesota. And then he, he got smart and said, no more winners. And he went, uh, down, did you go? Well, you went North Carolina and then up to Smithmoen, right? Like that. Was yeah, North Carolina, little little stint in Maryland, and then met my wife and, and did the Virginia deal. So, and honestly, bro, I don't I don't think Minnesota's on the uh, comeback list. So, like, like Christmas, maybe. Other than that, Christmas, Malax, maybe with Will if he wants to force me to drive up there, and that's probably about it. I mean, hell, even my parents are, are thinking about Tennessee for retirement instead of Minnesota. So we'll see. We'll see if that holds, which would be pretty sweet to have my dad that close. Maybe I could get him into some bass fishing, considering all he does is throw a Mr. Twister tail. I don't know. Although there's probably a time there uh, when things are going to get really cringy where you are. and you, Like a trip to Minnesota wouldn't be too bad for a week or two. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, good reminder by Critical Gravy. Doesn't doesn't cost you anything to tap that like button and helps a few more people find the show and uh, and learn some juice tonight. So, and uh, so what I guess so you're on so I guess just to reset. So you're on you're in Virginia on the shores of Smith Mountain Lake. You've been there for how many years now? Three coming up on three years. So we we bought our house right uh, right before COVID, which was weirdly a, a blessing because we do weddings as our main business, like you know, which gave me months off to basically just graph. So I've been fishing on and off Smith Mountain since I moved to to North Carolina. You know, even from eight years ago, it's completely changed in my opinion. Um, I met my fishing partner from up here down in North Carolina, came up here, I don't know, five, eight times, something like that. Um, it reminds me a lot of a lake that was back in North Carolina called Blues Creek so, and, and kind of like Minnesota. So it's very, it can be very clear water here. Um, upwards of last fall, we probably had almost 15 foot visibility. I mean, it was crazy. Um, but we have two river systems. So if you're a river rat and you want to go up and, and fish current when they're pulling water and throw a spinner bait or square bill or something like that, um, you know, you can do that or like my Minnesota roots and, and, and yours and kind of the other Minnesota boys that we all hang out with. If you want to go fish smallmouth on the lower end with tiny, you know, fighter flies and tiny drop shots and, and Ned rigs and stuff like that, you can go to the lower end. So it's got everything. Except um, for grass. Except for grass. <laughs> it's got like, eight patches of like river reed grass that's like a half foot in the water that actually i fish right now with that brim bite that we'll talk about but mm -hmm. um years ago dude you can you can find lily pads on here on on uh google earth like previous i don't remember what year it was it might be 2008 or, or earlier there's two stretches of like massive <laughs> lily pads i mean huh. probably 300 yards of lily pads which i mean dude if they ever put grass in here it would just be I mean, it's already phenomenal, but it would be absolutely outstanding if there was some grass in here. So, 
Does, does the water level fluctuate a lot or does it stay pretty stable? Yeah, so we're a Highland Reservoir. Um, for anybody does, that doesn't know Smith Mountain, Highland Reservoir in Southwest Virginia. Um, we're the first in the chain. It goes Smith Mountain, Leesville, turns into a river, goes down, turns into Bugs Island or Kerr uh, Reservoir, Gaston, runs into the Roanoke River and then runs out to the ocean. So it's a very large system, but we can't lock through. So we're the top, um, we're the top of that chain. We are only supposed to fluctuate by four feet per the like lake rules. Um, and we are a push-pull dam. So with it being hot like this, the water's fluctuating probably a foot every day up and down because they're generating electricity for everyone's um for everybody's air conditioning in the in the couple cities that are around here. So a little bit of current, not a ton, um, but enough where like, you know, general rule, if you're down on the lower end and the siren goes off, you run to the dam just for the you know, five minutes of current, you're going to get pushed or pulled. So. Yeah. I think that, I think that fluctuating water makes it tough for grass to catch hold. Like, I mean, I think yeah. if it's established, it's not so bad, but to like try to get root, it makes it difficult. I think. Yeah. And, and down here, and I, you probably noticed this when you were you were here and you did your drive, we have red clay. So it's not like the most, at least my understanding, it's not the most like nutrient rich soil. And like that obviously goes into the lake and everything like, like that's under the the bedrock and all that. So um, I have heard that they spray for it just for recreational use, but just again, just like you're saying, you'd, you'd have probably have to go hand plant it in some mush back waters for it to try to hold it, barely hold on. Um, but yeah, it would be it would be sweet um, if we got it, but I don't think that's happening anytime soon. So I should ship you like a, a large flat rate priority box of milfoil. Yeah. And- <laughs> yeah, dude, I'll 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 scuba dive, I'll snorkel down there and plant some, dude. It's clear enough to get it deep. So, <laughs> now Tim says he uh, fished Smith Mountain quite a bit. Yeah, it's a it's a really cool lake. It's it's interesting, like because it used to be kind of seemed like a popular tournament lake for the opens and the elites and a few other places, but nobody's been there in like a decade. I mean, plenty of regional, I mean, still team tournaments, regional. I mean, like, you know, there's, I mean, you can fish for pretty good money out there almost every weekend locally, but like the, the triple A's and the, the tours just haven't been there in like a decade. Yeah. The college comes, um, which that seems to do well. Um, like we run an Airbnb in the basement, like, you know, so we, you know, every, spring we get two college tournaments i think there's one in the fall this year and then the other big tournament that you know is is more of an open i would say is the uh cabela's big bass or oakley big bass whoever's running that one they this is the only lake i think they come to twice um which if you're a big big fish big fisherman type guy i mean obviously that that speaks to what uh what's swimming around here if they're gonna invest that much money to come back here multiple times but i think what what i mean I could be wrong, right? But there's not really like a big town, right? Yeah. So there's not really a good chamber of commerce <laughs> that's going to, you know, fork up 50 grand for a tour to come. I'm guessing that's why. Yeah. 2008 hit pretty hard from what I can tell here. Um, and then on top of that, yeah, I mean, Roanoke's 50 minutes to downtown, you know, Bedford's probably 40. Um, I, th- I think with the opens being more, um, non-systemic sponsored based. I think that would help because they don't have to go to a Bass Pro for weigh-in or anything um, to be able to, to bring it back here. But yeah, as far as the chamber goes and stuff like that, I think the the lake's still kind of building up, honestly, from 2008. So yeah. So that, that's what I heard like on one of the podcasts over the winter now that uh, 
the younger Weldon, right? It's running the opens that they're not tied to Bass Pro starting next year. So we might see a shakeup in the schedule yep. for the open. So it'll be interesting to see them go to some new places and that'd be kind of fun. Yeah. I mean, dude, honestly, if, if they do come here, it, it'll, I mean, you and I've had this conversation many times. It'll, it'll show out pretty much any time during the year. I mean, I've fished a decent amount of the Southeast, obviously being from Minnesota, you know, I know, numbers and size and all that sort of stuff smith mountain kicks out some some big bags 12 months out of the year and it it challenges you to be again a a good kind of all-around fisherman which is nice um you know if they ever came in the springtime here i mean we look at when skeet came here and did well and i think did kvd win the other one here i haven't really done a ton of research it was him or casey ashley um yeah i think it was ashley and skeet yeah i think i think it was ashley um is I just think, you know, it'll 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 put it on the map, which is which is good and bad sometimes, but I think this lake can handle pressure pretty good. There's a there's a really good population of bass here. Yeah, very cool. <clears throat> so we're gonna get into it in a little bit here. Uh <clears throat> Billy's kind of got a a one-two punch that he wants to talk about uh for this early summer transition. So we'll get into that in just a little bit. Answer a few questions here. Bowden. Best swim to a cutter. So I'm, ta- I'm thinking you're talking upper Mississippi, like pools four through eight, nine-ish. Uh, for the summer, I think this time of year, early summer, I would go with a bluegill colored swim bait, something kind of like a, a Super K river gill or a, a bluegill colored or a green pumpkin. And then as we get later into the summer, I would transition to kind of a white chartreuse white type chad pattern. And then, I mean, you really don't need much other than that. And if the water gets super dark, go black blue. Uh, or something like that, but you don't need a ton of, you can get crazy and get real meticulous. And sometimes it matters when you get, you know, two strands of purple and one strand of green tinsel and that kind of stuff and get you a few more bites. But in general, those three questions are going to get you pretty good. Yeah. Pool nine, Lansing, good pool. Uh, Before we get too far into it, I want to make sure we thank Arsenal Fishing for supporting the stream. Uh, Code down below if you want to get yourself some, some visors or the the wacky tool or they just got their new weigh-in bags in so if you guys need a weigh-in bag they got their new arsenal body bag finally re-in um good stuff <clears throat> but uh so that uh aj says he's packing up for clinton right now for the regionals the das northern regionals are coming up here nice well hopefully you stay safe bassin bass assassin bass assassin, <laughs> bass assassin. <clears throat> yeah Stay safe. Take take the phone down into the bunker and, and watch from the safety of the bunker or the, the shelter. Um, I guess one other thing I want to mention, because we'll probably touch on some rods later, but uh, I got an email from Omnia today, and this is the last day of their 15 to 20% off Dobbins rods. So if you were on the fence and weren't sure when they were going to end this sale, I got an email saying it's ending tonight. and. Uh, so now is the time to jump on that. If you were thinking about using up some of your Omnia points, I'll put a link down in the description. What's a new rod you've gotten, Rich? I got a few. You're just trying to goat me into talking about the 764. So I know what you're up to. Did you pick one up? Yeah, I got. So I think my last rod order, I got a, a Sam Sobe 723 for jig worms. Yep. 
I got a 764 champ for throwing like uh, six inch mag drafts. And then I'm thinking I'll probably use it for like three quarter ounce chatterbaits. Yep. And things like that. I got, what else did I get? A Caden 744 for like swim jigs and just Texas rigs. What do you think of the Caden? I haven't got a chance to fish it much. It just hasn't been since I've gotten it. I just haven't yeah. had it spooled up for much. Um, It'll get used soon. Yeah. And then I feel like there was at least one other rod. You ever use the 755 Ecstasy? I do. I got one of those too. <laughs> I just I just ordered one. It should be here tomorrow. I just uh, yeah, I got that maybe a month ago. I've been out a little bit. <clears throat> I haven't got on a really good like jig bite. Yeah. Um, to like feel the one day I got out, they were eating it, swimming it, and like it was really nice. That seven fifty five. Like, do you need an XT for throwing a swim jig? Absolutely not. But like the amount of line it would pick up on a hook set, like it yeah. was really nice. I just didn't get a lot of them like flipping and pitching where you got like felt the bite, but. You think it'll be a decent football head jig, like oh, jig rod? Sure. Yeah. We have two point four, two point five hours on the new uh, two hundred and fifty <laughs> Pro XS. That's it. And total hours in the boat is probably mm, nine. <laughs> the new new, the new new. But we just put a ceramic coating on. I had a a mobile service detailing service come and put the ceramic coating on it. So it was, uh, uh, what was I going to say? I thought now was a perfect time to get it done. Um, while it was clean before I rigged it out and before I like put any marks in it or got any. And, uh, so that, that's the plan to keep it looking good. You having troubles over there, Billy? Or no, the, that was the mechanic calling. Bad news. <laughs> Come on, dude. Be positive. And then that, so yeah, with Sanford uh, Marine and Auto Detailing, they actually do like, they'll drive up to your house, you pull it in the driveway, and they just do it. So, Wow. Yeah, there's a lot of guys doing that, doing that coding, dude. Yeah, supposedly it repels the water and keeps the dirt off it. So, like, when you wipe it down, stuff just comes right off and it keeps the yep. water spots off your motor and all that kind of stuff. So, are you the wipe down the boat? You're the wipe down the boat every time. I've, I've wiped it down the two times I've been out so far. <laughs> uh, I don't think I'd bring the Camus to Virginia. I'll just hop in uh, Billy's boat if I'm going to head down there. Book the flight, they're super cheap. But now the problem is I have a boat and the fishing is pretty good here. So yeah, for sure. Now you need to do, you need to do a February here. Yeah. I'm, I'm much more likely to come visit Billy when we have ice at home. And I did visit you. Was it two years ago in March? I it wasn't down? that long ago. Late, late March, right? Yeah. Yeah. Camus is the Earl Benz. It's the new Earl Benz uh, boat. I suppose I could throw up a picture of it. <clears throat> quick for those that haven't watched the video so if you if you missed it there is a new video what are we drinking tonight i'm drinking water what do you got billy four seasons four seasons fancy it's a, it's a celebratory drink for your boat purchase there you go 
Yeah. All right. Let's. Uh... So for those that haven't watched the video, <clears throat> that's what she looks like. Oh yeah. The, the not so world premiere. What's up, JJ? <laughs> We're still taking suggestions for names. Leave a comment on the stream. And then we'll probably have a poll. Um, so there's been some interesting, uh, but uh, it's I like your Carol Baskin uh, Bass Cat Cat reference, but uh, I don't think I'm going to go with that. I like the creativity, but we're not going with that. As many times as you bring it up, Chris, that's probably not going to happen. Uh, John wants to know if you ever tried Angles Envy Rye. Oh, yeah. Yep. Oh yeah. I've actually uh, critical the. The last bo- like the last good bourbon that I had was Rabbit Hole that I got as a gift. I don't remember who got me that, um, but I just ran out of it. Um, somebody said Lucifer. <laughs> it's not that I'm so white. It's just that uh, <clears throat> Billy's melting in his garage and he's glistening. And it's just yeah, yeah, guys. I've I've already taken my shorts off. My underwear is coming <laughs> off next. Like it's it's about ninety seven in the garage. So <laughs> nice. All right. So as we mentioned before, Billy uh, is a guide. I don't know if I actually mentioned that, but he's a guide on Smith Mountain Lake, uh, and it's called what Smith Mountain Lake Fishing Guide Service. Man, straight easy, service. straightforward. And there's a link down in the description. So if you want to follow up and check out Billy's website at any point. That is an option uh, if you're interested or if you're heading down to Virginia. He, uh, he, he he does a good thing. I went out with him one time with my buddy Pat, and we had a good time on the water and uh, caught some caught some stripers, caught some largemouth, caught a couple of mag draft fish. Overall, we had a pretty good day. He's really good. And also, if you're in the area and you don't really care whether you're on Smith Mountain Lake or whatever, Billy ain't too shabby with his front-facing sonar. So uh, I, sh- I assume you do some like training on that sometimes where you just yeah. train people on the front-facing Yep. hundred percent. So yeah, I mean, honestly, anybody that's within a three hour radius, I mean, for example, I was at Norman basically this time last year. I mean, that's, that's a killer time to be learning. It is when, when the fish down in the Virginia, South Carolina, North Carolina type deal are, are starting to push offshore is, is when it's going to shine. Um, you know, I, I leave mine on pretty much all the time just because I've, I've looked at it enough now that I can, you know, pick stuff apart pretty shallow, but now's, now's your primo time with, uh, with starting offshore and, and chasing topwater fish and swim bait fish and stuff like that. So some training on that, you know, just Garmin units in general, if, if people have Garmin, um, you know, jumping in the boat and kind of going that route. Cause I can tell you right now, I mean, all the years of playing video games has finally paid off. So Uh, is tin cup worth the hype i have never had it i have i went to uh fighters aoi thing at uh omnia and had some it was good i mean yeah i'm not like a a bourbon whiskey aficionado but i thought it was good sure Sure. Uh, hey real quick hey rich yep if i slide up on this it's not going to kick me out right I don't think it will. Slide up on it? Like, you just don't see me, but you can hear me? Yep. All right, let me text this mechanic guy. Hold on. I can just remove you for a second. When you're ready, you can come back on. <clears throat> so, yeah, he's got a – his Evan Rude is acting a little iffy, so he uh, 
He's uh, going to check in with his mechanic, and when I see him pop in, we'll bring him back up. Uh, birds, mainly hummingbirds, although I probably will put an independent front-facing unit on there, and it may it probably won't be tied to the rest of it, so that, that can be whatever I can get a hold of or whatever makes the most sense. Um, so that's the plan. I was actually taking the front panel off this more or this afternoon and uh, starting to look into the rigging process for that. White whale in the house. What's going on, buddy? How's the fishing been for you? Just getting some stuff prepped here. Uh, I guess while we're waiting for Billy to come back, we talked about the Dobbin sale. We talked about Arsenal. Uh, one thing I would mention <clears throat> is that if you guys are interested, I've been fishing, and I'm not affiliated with this company at all, but Half a Spot runs tournaments <laughs> for mobile apps where you just like have the measurement length. And last year I won it, but there was only a handful of guys in the tournament, and I won my money back and then some. But it's like you can like they have bank and kayak tournaments and for North Region, South Region. And so if you want to enter the North Boat Region and take my money, you are more than welcome to do that. But it's the Half a Spot app. I would worth checking it out. If you guys, it's like 25 bucks a tournament or something like that. And you just measure your fish. Kind of like, so, you know, it's like I'm just measuring the fish that I'm out catching in tournaments or fun fishing anyways. And it seems like another fun way to, I don't know, do some competition. And it would be fun to see a bunch of you guys in the, the North Boat Tournament. He's back. I'm back. Let's hope uh, progressively I get a big smile on my face and not a huge frown. <laughs> it just starts. It's sweat. I swear. It's sweat. <laughs> Post the link, please. Are you talking about the half a spot? Just search. It's, it's an app. So it's <clears throat> half a spot. Just search that in your... Uh, I typed it down there. Just search half a spot in your app store, whether it's Google or whatever. What's up, uh, Gabe? Uh, for me? Split ring. I don't use loop knots on my topwater. What about you? Ooh, you don't? No. Not even a popper? You know we got time for that. <laughs> That's funny, because I definitely was going to bring up loop knots for your popper on, on brim eaters. No, I, actually, I guess I typically use a clip on my popper. Little decoy clip, nice. Because actually, and part of the reason is why I use a clip is because I tie a braid to a short mono leader. Sure. So if I keep retying a loop knot every time I change a top water, then I got a leader this long. So if I just use the clip, and I'm using like forty pound mainline to like a seventeen pound, yeah, mono, yep. I, I don't ever have to retie that, like maybe sure. once a year sure. <laughs> unless i get raked across a wing dam or something so yep. this way i just change a clip and then i'm not redoing leader knot so it's kind of a time savings thing to be honest sure uh tom wants to know is smith mountain a ledge lake so not really um most like when when i say deep fishing at smith mountain the deepest in my opinion you need to fish to catch quality bass is 35 feet so, yes, that's deep, but because it's a, a highland reservoir, most of your points extend pretty far out. Um, 
my trip this morning was an offshore one with, with the guy that basically was said, I, he said, I just can't fish another dock. I was like, dude, like this, you don't need to be fishing docks this time of year. Like you can, you can move out. Yeah, him and I will never be best friends. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so that was kind of an offshore deal. There's a few spots where there's definite like flat pastures. Um, when they dammed up the lake, it was, you know, a cow pasture, a farm, something like that, where we just have huge, vast flats where there's definitely a far drop. Um, but I would say ledge wise, there's probably five traditional ledge type of spots. Um, so a lot of it's kind of the long taper point. Um, a lot of guys are huge Carolina rig uh, throwers out here, which is like the least of my things to do. Um, but that's, that's a good tactic in the summer is dragging just kind of a big Carolina rig. So snap all the way. I like the decoy egg snaps or whatever they are. I think. <clears throat> See, uh, so you would say in general it's more like an ozark lake than it is a ledge lake yeah yeah lower end of the lakes very similar to, to ozark kind of that big big bouldery natural chunk rock like i just jokingly call it canadian rock for people that you know are asking where to kind of fish um mm -hmm. you know canadian rock and then our lake is absolutely loaded with brush someone is dumping a ton of brush all the time in here you're not supposed to do it. Obviously, they don't care. Um, but we have tons and tons and tons of brush out here, um, which makes, again, kind of that that one-two punch right now really fun. But even our, like, August dead of summer, like, 97 degree, no wind, like, you can go hit 50 brush piles, you know, that are 20 feet deep and and, and definitely get on them. So um, definitely sets up more like an, like an Ozark. Um, trying to think of, like, where else it would really... Yeah, I mean, any any sort of foothill lake. Um, some areas are kind of like Hartwell, in my opinion. Like the lower end Craddock Creek has a lot of like long red clay, nothing or like a couple stumps on it. Um, and we we definitely have bluebacks in here. Um, I'm pretty pretty confident in saying that at this point. So we get a lot of that kind of herring chase chase stuff going on too um, on the lower end. So nice. <clears throat> Is there a town in the bottom of Smolt? Like, I think that. So, I don't think so, but I actually, one of my buddies gave me a, um, let me grab this book real quick, but it's a, it's an old um, topographical map and then they overlaid like images of where the farmhouses are and everything. I found like four farmhouse foundations. The old bridge is like time capsuled down 120 feet i think i mean the thing looks like it's on side imaging it looks like it's painted um huh. and totally like that generation so foundations um i someone has told me there's a silo you can find but let me let me show you this book rich it's actually pretty tight And I don't know who makes, I guess I could figure out who makes this, but look at this, look at this book, dude. Nice. Kind of reminds me of the old uh, Marine Corps or Army Marine Corps uh, Mississippi River maps. Where they like overlay 
Okay. Like you can see the old river channel. I mean, that's way up the lake, but yeah, like there's an old farm field right here. You guys can kind of see that like a big flat, um, which I know just from that spot, like there's right on the hump that's on that spot has like 30, 40 stumps where they obviously just cut down a bunch of trees, but hmm. I don't know who made this, but I just got it. I was going to start taking it in the boat and messing around and finding some of those cool spots. So you haven't so, had that book very long or? No, a couple, maybe a week or so. Hmm. So I'm sure there's a town somewhere. Hopefully the residents got out. <laughs> nice. I think it took three years to fill this lake, three or four years. So everybody had plenty of time. Sure, but, uh, before we jump right into it here, uh, tips for Tonka. <clears throat> I think, let's see. So, I mean, we're just coming out. Like, I think the recent tournaments were dominated by late smallmouth betters. That should be just about wrapped up. So it seems like we're getting into summer now. You're probably still going to find some quality fish in the inside weed lines. But I think it's now finally starting to be where you'll start to see them go offshore. And I think if you can start finding that early deep coontail clumps, that's probably a good place to to target. Did you fish Tonka much when you were here? No. Ple pleasure a couple times and that was it. I don't, I don't go out there a lot, but those would be the two things I would kind of focus on right now. Uh, Lucas want to know any tips for Oahe? Yeah, I think <clears throat> trust your electronics. This, uh, Oahe is very much a offshore lake. Yeah. Actually, if you're going out there this weekend though, I'm just thinking as deep and as clear as Oahe is, they're probably, honestly, right now, this weekend, you're probably gonna be able to look for them. I'd say the same. Or there's going to be pre-spawn, post-spawn, spawn, all kind of, so I would look. Even if they're not, I would look to figure out where you think they would spawn and then, you know, backtrack from there. That's probably your best bet, Lucas. Um, and then later in the year, they get to be much more offshore, obvious rises, points, things like that. Uh, I mean, fun fishing probably won't try to, like, throw piles of duckweed and stuff in the boat. <laughs> but in a tournament, probably whatever happens, happens. That's the day you don't wipe it down with the towel. But that's why we got the ceramic coating on it, right? So hopefully it'll yep. be a little easier to clean. So weeds will slide right off. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's uh, let's talk a little bit about this one-two strategy. And actually, those pictures you sent me, I got them teed up. So if you want to use those as examples, I can actually sure. share those on the screen. So sure. So what did the poll end up? Uh, what did the poll end up showing, Rich? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have that poll running in the background here on the YouTube. So for those that are watching on Twitter or Facebook or wherever you are, you're missing out on the the, uh, the poll here. But the question was, summer fishing preference, shallow, deep, or I'm not picky. And it was 40% shallow, 18% deep, and 42% I'm not picky. Um, I feel like uh, my audience is kind of adapting to my style. <laughs> <laughs> you <laughs> think so? <laughs> less than one out of five fishing saying that I prefer to fish deep. Sure, sure. And I mean, obviously it's YouTube and we're talking about people all over the country. So deep is deep is relative to everybody. Um, ooh, That's surprising. I didn't know that. Hey, you know, real quick before I jump in, have you looked at Lake Mead, dude? I watched the Lake Mead video today. Oh, I've heard stories from like the Bertrand podcast and things like that. Well, they had to move the U.S. Open, right? They're going to Mojave or something like that. They're not even hopefully on Mead this year. Dude, there's only one ramp that's open and you got to have a lifted truck to even get a boat in it. Otherwise, you're sinking your truck. Yeah. 
crazy. That'll that'll be a crazy life experience if need completely drives up. So crazy. Well, that dude, that's interesting on the polls because I mean, hopefully most of those are kind of northern boys, but yeah, I think they're definitely uh, definitely picking into your style, but. The, the the topic that you and I obviously came up with that's that's an important one because the the number one thing I'm guiding um, for me that I hear when I take out actual like fishermen you know sometimes I'm taking out kids and dads and you know mm-hmm. they're trying to catch two pounder all that sort of stuff like today this guy was an avid angler wanted to kind of get that offshore understanding because he's sick of fishing docks and and kind of that total understanding of where he needs to be and when he needs to make the adjustment is I think a lot of guys. Um, get ahead of fish and that that doesn't even necessarily mean right now just in general if you fish on somewhat of a frequent basis and you're catching them and all of a sudden you're not catching them for a couple days you push yourself way too far ahead from from what is actually going on and i think this time of year specifically is is a time where people say all right it's hot as hell the fish got to be moving offshore as quick as possible and just through years of fishing and then this lake specifically um I kind of flip it with what you normally think of, of, okay, they're going to run into the brush on a super non-windy high sun day. Um, and it just sets up a little bit different. So my early summer, which I would say we only, we're only going to have probably two weeks of it before the brush is just loaded, loaded is starting deep early in the day in most cases. Um, and then I am running up and fishing as shallow as I can right now in the hottest part of the day. So I'm talking 11:30 to 3:30. Sun's high in the sky. If there's no clouds, even better. I am trying to target single fish up shallow that are eating brim, and it's somewhat of a mental game because you have to cover a lot of different brim beds to find the right fish. But this, I think, kind of equates to any type of lake. I mentioned earlier that I was at Norman this time last year. Same thing at Norman. Deep brush piles early in the morning, later in the tournament day, but once noon hit. Catching a couple key largemouth on Norman is huge. Doing the exact same thing, throwing a popper, prop bait, Senko, um, little sneaky sneaky bait that I'll show you guys. Um, but my approach is using live scope early in the morning, figuring out if those fish are towards the bottom, are they suspended, are they up high actually chasing, and then knowing, all right, the quality of fish is starting to slow down offshore where we're going from catching three and a half pounders to five pounders to all of a sudden we're catching 13 inches. And at that point, kind of making that, making that adjustment and starting running shallow. Um, you know, it's a lot of it is, is live scope heavy because I, I can watch those fish now and I can target fish me specifically. I can also tell guide clients to kind of cast out at them and, and mm-hmm. hit them on the head, basically put it right in their mouth. Um, and that'll tell you, you know, that'll tell you quickly how the day is going to go no matter the weather pattern. I mean, generally I kind of go out with a general idea every morning, but I'm having to adjust as a guide. That's kind of part of the game is if you have a four hour trip, you don't really get time to go hit seven points and try doing the same tactic. You get a point to try a tactic and you got to try something different on the next one um, to kind of see how it's going. So if the offshore deals working, we'll, we'll push it as long as we can and then, uh, and then swap and kind of go shallow. So. So it kind of sounds like a tournament strategy almost like as a, as a guy that fishes tournaments, it's kind of something like you're weaving your, the kind of your, how you would attack like for a tournament and kind of bring that into the guides. Um, yep. And so you're going for numbers and quality in the morning. And then when the bite is, so is the bite is the numbers and the size fading 
in the deep right now, or is it? So, you know, when I say deep is relative, we're fishing 12 to 18 feet. Mm-hmm. So medium depth, sometimes a little bit deeper, maybe 25 feet. Like he caught one out of a rock pile on like 28 feet today. So in most cases, I'm noticing at least where I am at, once 1030 rolls around, the quality on the deep fish is dropping off for some reason. It's just all of a sudden they're going from three and a half plus to 13 inches. And I don't know if that's just a high, get, you know, sun gets too high. The other thing that we have going on is we have a hardcore shad spawn that's tapering off now. Um, so a lot of those fish are eating from like three in the morning until seven in the morning. Sure. Just chasing shad or whether the shad's kind of out on the brush and everything like that. So I think there's kind of this weird window where I'm, I'm noticing of, all right, we've caught fish at five stops and all of a sudden it takes us three stops to get a bite and it's a 14 incher. We do that twice. And then I say, all right, we're, we're going to, we're going to start going and running shallow and, and kind of putting our head down in the morning when you're dead, you're getting qual- are the little ones mixed in or like, the, yeah. the first, so you, so in the morning you're catching 14 inches and, and three pounders. And then all of a sudden yep. they bite slows and it turns into just dinks or just, yep. you know, barely keepers or. Okay. Yeah. And I think, I think a lot of that, you know, I kind of take the, we'll call it, I don't know, California approach or whatever you want to call it, where if I've got an angler like today, you know, he can cast a bait cast or I can tell him where to cast. He's within five feet of, of where I'm telling him to cast all that sort of stuff is I'm going lar- very large baits to very small baits. So kind of covering that gambit as quick as I can, like you said, like a tournament approach to, okay, what are they doing today? No matter what the weather condition is, is I might have him throw a six inch swim bait on a lead head and run all the way down to a 2.8, throwing a worm, top water, crankbait and spoon all in between that. And then boom, all of a sudden on this point, we're getting a bite on a 3.3 and we can go to four points in a row. And that's what's going on. Sure. Which is changing by the hour, <laughs> which is fishing. And, and when you go shallow for the brim bite, is that a numbers and a size or is it just size quality? At just point? size. Yep. Just size. So I, I think this is where, you know, this is, it, it's kind of similar to the mag draft deal that you and I've talked about before. And, and you kind of experienced is you can go chuck a big swim bait all day and you're going to get two bites, but they're going to be five to seven pounders. The brim bite, in my opinion, is very similar to that approach. You're covering 10 different brim beds. You're looking at, some brim beds that are small, you know, five to eight brim beds. And then I've got a couple right now that are 20 brim beds, huge. Um, but what I'm seeing is one six pounder on a dock right next to the brim beds. I'm not okay. seeing, I'm not seeing many small ones up anymore. Um, and I, I think that just correlates to, you know, those other mixed fish you can catch on secondaries and all that sort of stuff. Again, with the guiding approach, I got to hit specific spots and kind of cover water as quick as I can. Um, but the brim stuff is pretty straightforward. You just have to put your head down and be mentally comfortable that you might go two hours without a bite, but the one bite you're going to get is going to be a six pounder. Yeah. And, and not many wolf packs. It's just, you're kind of looking for a couple cherries on the Sunday to finish out the guide trip. Yep. Yep. One big, you know, if they've caught two, three pounders, I consider it a pretty, a pretty good guide trip. And if it's something where they're telling me I want to learn this and they catch a f- couple fish doing it that way. Then yeah, at this point, kind of like Tim saying, it's just that lunchtime, uh, lunchtime kicker. Which, dude, it's exciting. I mean, dude, everybody in the boats 
super dehydrated, sweaty, like, dude, it's, it's just the heat of the day. And you've got a couple, you know, an hour or so without a bite and you have a big one blow up on something or, or pull a Senko, it's, it's pretty exciting. And, and again, with everybody kind of getting ahead of, ahead of themselves, I feel like that brim bite definitely gets missed by a lot of, by a lot of people. And, and, and you, and to your experience, <clears throat> you're saying that they're really not, you think the fish aren't there in the morning or are they just not biting or active or they're harder yeah. to target or you think they're, they're, they're looser to the brim or what do you yeah, think? Yeah, I think it's more of the, once the shade's there, it's, that's where they're going to be. Your target, your target. makes it more predictable for you to be like, all right, I can just hit the, the brush or the overhanging willow or the dock yep. adjacent, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah, I feel like if we go up there on the brim stuff early, yeah, you're going to get lucky every once in a while. You just bomb in a sink, go as far away from it as you can, and you'll find that one that's cruising. But once it's high noon and there's two shade lines on the dock, they're on that shade line in the dock. So, so. I assume this active captain screenshot is one of your morning spots? Yes. So I'm not sure who uh, who asked, but I can kind of break this down. So the guy that asked about ledge fishing, I'm not sure, sure who that was, but this is a very, very typical Highland reservoir flooded river type of situation where you've basically just got a foothill long point that's tapering out. Um, and then specific to Smith mountain, they cut all of the trees down. Um, they cut all of the trees down to basically where we have stumps until about 25 to 30 feet. And then it's full size trees. So a lot of our points are, stump fields whether that's five stumps some of the stumps fields are 30 stumps like some serious some serious stuff um and then kind of like you said rich as far as ozarks there's a lot of rock there's a lot of good rock transition from pebble rock to fist size rock to basketball size rock all that sort of stuff so this one specific is uh, a main lake point coming out there is a massive creek arm that is to your right that shoots back so this is going to be kind of one of the last stops that they're going to stop on before they're going to go into that 25 to 35 foot range and just kind of roam um but specifically here what we're what we're doing or the way that i like to set it up because it is still early summer is i like to set up on the shallow side and fish out deeper pulling up as opposed Mm -hmm. to deeper or staying out deeper and pulling deeper um, because a lot of those fish are going to come up and actively feed in kind of that yellow green transition. Um, those so rock like piles. Put the boat right here in the orange. Yep. Probably right on the tip of that orange. If, if I'm looking at my unit and making a, a pretty substantially long cast to, to kind mm-hmm. of cover both sides of the point and then get into that, that mega juice that's out there. Um, and specific on that one, it's basically there's a stump field and two dropped Christmas trees or brush piles or whatever you want to call it. Um, so I'm a big believer in the biggest fish are going to be the juice inside of the juice. So it's not necessarily going to be a cruiser that's on one of the 10 stumps. It's going to be the one that's sitting in the biggest brush pile out on that point that's got the stumps around it. Um, as kind of like that alpha fish, um, that alpha fish that's kind of sitting out there. So I'm going to post up shallow, have my clients or myself pull up, um, up the bank right now, July, August, so I'll flip that. Um, and, and fish it a little bit deeper, but that's a that's a pretty stereotypical Smith Mountain point. There's hundreds of those that are like that, um, and most of them are going to have are going to have some sort of structure on them, whether it's rock or brush. Tim says you're not crazy. He says this is exactly what he's experienced, and reinforced a few things that he's thought about there. 
Yep. Yeah, Tim, a lot of a lot of people, you know, they think it's clear water and and you got to get out deep and and you know, cover the brush piles and stuff like that and that's fine. It it definitely will work and it's definitely a, a specific thing, but I think a lot of people forget that even in clear water those fish are you know, they're not line shy, they're not boat shy. They they know what's going on and and specifically right now, I mean, we had two fish this morning, Rich, that the client was I don't know what he was doing putting shoes on or something because his feet were burning and we had brim beds in front of us and i said dude i guarantee you there's two like there's got to be bass under this dock it's the single dock there's eight brim beds right here with brim loaded in it and i turned around and looked at him and said you know grab the senko and we looked up and two bass came out in two feet I, they i could have netted them on the front of the boat and both of them just went nose deep like this and just kind of went through all the brim beds just nose tail up and just kind of swam through the brim like that, like ready to ambush on them. And that's the, that's what a lot of those bigger fish that uh, that stayed shallow are doing. So nice. All right. So this, you want me to break this one down? Sure. This is another one of your morning spots, I assume. Yeah. So I would honestly say this is probably the number one quote unquote ledge um, in all of Smith Mountain. So this is. Um, so, I mean, it just, that looks like the Tennessee river. Right. <laughs> um, again, with the full, you know, cut down trees and, and offshore looking for that kind of juice within a juice type situation. Obviously there's deep water access on something like this. It's a giant flat. I'm talking, um, oh, nice. That's cool. <laughs> um, giant flat rocks all over it. Good transition, red clay, all that sort of stuff. But specifically on this pot, um, it's a transition where it goes from full-size trees to stumps to another brush pile um, that somebody basically just put right on the tabletop. So this can be uh, what I would just call like a multi-species location. So you will have, for the rest of summer, we will have huge stripers running up and down that ledge, um, just kind of coming up, chasing the bait balls, pushing bait back out deep like this is the situation where you kind of have a top water ready because it's not going to be stripers all the time sometimes it's bass but having a top water ready to be blasted blasting we get a text <laughs> i got a boat update you got me yeah told you taylor would forget <laughs> um so this is a spot where it kind of transitions from very very deep water straight up ledge good structure with the treetops for, for bass and striper to hang out with. And then your active fish are up on the flat top. Um, and, th and this is, a, you know, again, kind of going through the gambit, starting with either a crankbait or a big swim bait or something to get that most active fish going through a couple dragging baits and then ending with something like a 2.8 or, you know, a small Nico rig or something like that to kind of, to kind of go through the gambit and, and, uh, and look at it that way. There's, a few more spots like that on Smith mountain. Um, but as far as ledges, like I said, that that's pretty much the main ledge. You can see kind of like another secondary or kind of underwater long point right underneath it. Yep. That's, uh, that's kind of where it's at. There's a little tabletop there too, but, um, lots of juice there. Lots of juice. Cool. And then, right. So then you're, I think we have a couple, uh, <clears throat> so here's one of your, What's the look at them little you, look at them brim beds. You see them? Is that the 
Is that the the brim bed, the teepee? The teepee. I figured that that's their home. Okay. So, um, all right. Brim bed fishing with me is, is again, I want to try to make it as simple as possible. Have it be that that's where they're going to be so that we can cast four or five times and we're out. Try to cover as many of them as you can. Sometimes they're there, sometimes they're not. So for me specifically, I'm using depth shading pretty heavily on my garments. Hummingbird's got it. Lawrence has got it. If, if that's not something you are utilizing, I highly, highly recommend it, especially with the brim fishing deal because you can really see how big of a flat you have in some of these backs. Um, and I've actually got, I think on the next slide, um, I've got zero to two feet or zero to one feet is gray. Um, so I don't know if it's on there now. Um, so it's like zero to two feet is gray. And then I think out to five feet is red. Um, I am looking for very small um, creek backs of creeks, the rounder, the better, in my opinion. Um, instead of the, you know, pointed one, the general idea to that everybody is if it's a long skinny one, it's going to have deeper banks. Um, we're looking for the flattest, sunniest, um, type of, of topography that we can find. So like it's, this one in your mind is more attractive than this one. Uh, I can't see where your mouse is at. Okay. Oh, sorry. I'm not sorry. This one <laughs> yes. is yep. more attractive than this one. Correct. Yep. So and, and then, if we go further back into the marina, the two that are back in the marina there are nice rounded off ones. And that one yeah. that's down on the south bank would be one that I honestly would probably skip, um, skip at mm -hmm. this point. So the rounded ones, um, and it's kind of hard to explain without without kind of visualizing or being out there, but you're, you're looking for the longest red that you can find. Um, and the main thing to remember is that the brim beds are more than likely going to be as far back as you can go. So you're lifting the trolling motor up, you're trimming a jack plate, like, like you're kicking up dirt to see if you can see some sort of brim beds back in there. They're not all going to be there, but that's generally where I'm starting is I'm going to bomb a bait as far back as I can go. The benefit to Smith mountain with us not fluctuating a ton is we have fixed docks. So with a unit, you should have docks on your GPS um, to be able to find those rounded ones and see if you can find one that maybe has like one to three docks in it. Because that's going to be a simple target of, okay, I'm going at high noon. I'm going to skip a Senko under all three of them and blast a popper into the back and pop it seven times and roll. Um, you can side scan um, and spend the time side scan looking for brim beds. It's a, it's a good way to do it, but if you are just, let's say you're not a side scan guy or you're just going out for a Saturday, you got four hours, that is textbook covering those rounded ones um, and rounded ones with structure are going to be, are going to hold best for sure right now. But you are, I mean, there's definitely, right? I mean, at least in Minnesota and other places, right? You have your your shallow brim beds. <laughs> yeah. Kind of and, and you have medium and you kind of have deep, right? And the medium deep ones you're only going to find with your, with your yep. units yeah for the most part the ones that you are targeting the most this time of year with your clients are the ones that you're visually seeing and you're using your mapping to put you in high percentage places to look for them yes yep it is literally and and you know i i marked a ton of brim beds last year and i've been running back on those tp icons just to see i, I would say it's a 70 percent. there's more yeah. brim beds there um and i you know obviously it's bottom you know, composition and everything like that. So, um, 
you know, it's all, it's all kind of into that guide mentality of, okay, I'm only going to be able to take this client to 10 cuts. So I got to pick the high percentage cuts. Um, and, and for me, the, the bigger ones that I'm finding on Smith Mountain right now are in like zero to two feet. And it's, it's crazy. dude. I, I know you know this, but it's amazing what, how bass can hide. Like we just can't see them. And the water's six feet clear and you look back there and you're like, now nah, there's nothing back there. You blast a popper back there and one shoots out from some random spot on the bank that, you know, had a little bit of shade on it or something that you couldn't see and blast on something. Um, and that obviously, you know, that's a, it's a fun, it's a fun way to catch, catch some big ones. Awesome. So I see your, is this a, do you ever get smallmouth around the brim beds or is it just the large mouth? Some on the lower end, but it's, it's mostly large mouth. Um, that's one of the Liberty boys. Um, like I said, we have that, that college, um, college tournament down here. So try to support the, support the Liberty boys, but most of those fish are brim bed fish. I think the small mouth is probably just a drop shot fish or something, sure. something early. Yes. Those are all brim bed fish. Um, so you know, scale, of course, we all push it out. It's that whole GoPro uh, wide lens. But I mean, that, that middle fish is pushing five pounds. Um, and I think all three of those were, were popper fish. Nice. With good old Maverick sitting there. Mav. He, he's, he looks like he's scoping the next. He's like, where's the next? Dude. Where's the next bed? Where's the next? No, he's, he's scoping duck, bro. Okay. Any, any, any duck sound that dog's going psycho in the boat. <laughs> Nice. Awesome. Well, that was a great breakdown. So let's maybe uh, transition into baits a little bit. Sure. We talked about them, but I might as well do some show and tell. So let's go deep on it first. Pigstone. Yeah, we're, we're talking about a lake up home, about just you think it's clear, you think you see. I mean, that's, yeah, it's so often you swear you can see under a dock and then up here. I mean, you, you saw that, right? Like you, you yeah. swear these sandy docks where you'd swear you can see everything. And I've seen it up north and like lakes up by like, you know, Bemidji and stuff. And like, it yep. looks like crystal sand, 12 inches deep. And you swear you can see out of that pontoon and you throw like a stick bait or a jig up. And all of a sudden you see six, four pounders come out of there at the same time. And you're like, yeah, that we're laying on the <laughs> bottom with laying on the bottom with camel on dude. Yeah, for sure. All right. I'll talk about rods too, just to make you buy one. Come on, hit that like button, boys. All right, so... I mean, Billy's out here sweating for us. we got to tap yeah, that like guys, button. Yeah, like, legit. I've already showered <laughs> twice today. Like, it's coming up. It's coming actually, up. Actually, when, when he turned his camera off, he actually hit the shower. Wasn't actually... <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, it's just a hose in the garage. i got to drain. Actually, Taylor's um... in there spritzing him. You can't see it. Like... For sure, for sure. Um, all right. So Cal California style going with just kind of that terminology, Zeldane style, Kennedy style, however you want to do it. So first things first, I'm a big believer in the biggest bass is going to eat the, eat a bigger bait coming through on deep, on deeper stuff. So I'm always throwing something big, whether that's a big crankbait, big swim bait, big worm, something like that. So I honestly don't even know what this swim bait is it's a local guy that pours it just up at the up at the tackle shop it's kind of similar to a scottsboro scotts yeah okay. kind of very similar to scottsboro light hitch is is just kind of a general you Maybe know general like ignite makes a bait like that i think 
Yeah. Yeah, legit. It's like unnamed in plastic box guy, but it's also it, like Talon, maybe like a place on Tag Warehouse. You could probably find something similar to that. So that's sure. Kind of yeah. Awesome. <clears throat> yeah. So pretty, pretty good amount of plastic movement right now. So obviously going back to kind of the mag draft deal, we throw the mag draft a ton at Smith Mountain. That's your early cold water swim bait, low kick, you know, good draw power. As we progress into summer, you guys need to be thinking about more kick on your swim baits. So X zone swammer, um, you know, local pour stuff, something that's got a lot of kick to it, a kite, a big kite tech, five, eight kite tech, something like that. That's going to displace a lot of water is, is pretty important on the swim bait stuff. Um, swim bait stuff that you're throwing big bite baits. I mean, it's just a straight lead head. I think it's a five odd on here. It's just what I have liked. It has a pretty good keeper on it, but any preference on a lead head, three quarter, one ounce. I will throw on baits that don't have eyes. Um, I will throw a Dobbins head. So mm-hmm. three quarter ounce, one ounce head. I'm not, I just, for some reason, dude, I just don't believe in the four eye, the four eye bait. Obviously that's just superstition and, and me. Um, but if it's an eyeless bait, then I'm going to throw it on a Dobbins head. Um, so as much as you don't like four eyes, you also like to have at least two eyes. Yeah, at least two eyes for sure. Or a black. Yeah, yeah exactly yeah. two eyes. No more, exactly. no less. <laughs> Come on, guys. They're, they're smart. Those fish are super smart. Um, Rod, obviously you can see this thing. It's freaking work, bro. But 764 is what I throw my mags on. It's what I throw pretty much all my six-inch uh, six or last. Yeah, true, true bass is another great swim bait um to to throw on a on a lead head and then i think it's just it's either 16 or 18 pound sniper um and then i've got it on a 6-2 reel which i don't know i could get yelled at for that but but part of your stuff right also is like right you're you could you get by with a half ounce head yes but like for your clients, right, it's easier for them to be more patient just to get that thing down there. And then a six two also helps your your clients that want to probably yep. reel too fast so some of your stuff Correct. is kind of like maybe tweaked a little bit more for somebody that's not as experienced or is not yep. used to this style of fishing they may fish all the time in a different place but now they're here and you're trying to like stack the odds in their favor so if they rush it a little bit you know a little heavier head a little slower yep. reel is gonna put them yep. in the right spot that's a great observation that's probably my number one uh thing with guiding dude is people just realize <laughs> like dude you Half of guiding is you turning around going, all right, reeling a little bit slower, a little bit slower, a little bit slower, a little bit slower. Oh, now drag it. And they're just like. Yeah. And I guess that's the kind of the cool thing now with advancements, right, (laughs) is like we did, right? When we were out there, we were playing with the active or the the live scope, right? Is like you you can bring them up on the bow or you can point it at their bait in the back screen and you can see like this is your bait. Yep. You're still six feet. Slow down. The bass is down here. You got to slow down. Like you, yep. can, and then they like really get it. I bet. Like, yep. Yeah, live scope. You know, another part with live scope too, especially now this time of year, is I don't think a lot of guys realize if you're saying fishing a let's for example take a big worm, and then I'll show you guys some of the worms. Is when when you're doing a full rod extension of lifting up a worm, you're not lifting that worm a foot off the bottom. You're you're lifting up six feet of the rod. And a lot of guys aren't realizing that when they're lifting up a jig and they think they're kind of slow fishing a jig or dragging it on live scope, you're legit ripping a jig or a worm six feet off. And those fish, that, that's you can get them to bite that way. Sometimes you definitely have to do that. 
But if you think you're slow fishing and you're doing a full rod extension, no, you're, you're pulling that thing way off the bottom. Live scope definitely helps tweak a little bit of that fishing where you need to mm-hmm. drag a lot slower than you think you need to, uh, than you need to fish. So cool. Big worm, big worm, big firm. Let me, so is plum the color on Smith mountain? So (laughs) kind of, I mean, cherry plum, candy apple, like all that good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. A little little TVA in that respect, right? Like you throw in those big purple red worms. Yeah. Purple, you know, we get, uh, black and purple's a, a killer color here. Um, cherry plum for sure you know on the drop shot stuff morning dawn is still king um you know you get a few you get a few colors kind of mixed in i throw purchase a little bit i throw you know june bug eh, actually i don't throw june bug a little bit i don't throw it that much out here but um you know i think it's a sized thing too um once we get into you know the big worm bite probably started a couple weeks ago but we'll get we'll get up to 13 inch worms out here which i mean dude it's like throwing a snake like it's it's weird slinging something out like that but when they get it dude it's it's gone it's down there it's down their throat so um so two things on the big worm unpegged texas rig you know half ounce it's a free rig what are you talking about (laughs) (laughs) Dude, I have, I need to I need to free rig a little. I should out a little bit deep this year too. I bed fished with it a lot, dude. I loved it. It was awesome. Um, is I'm doing two two big worm approach. First is a Texas rig. Um, first is a Texas rig. Six odd hook. Pick pick whatever worm you want. You, the only thing you're really going to need to kind of fluctuate on is a little bit of a color change and your weight size. And I'm basing again on live scope. If they're up a little bit and they're following it down and not biting it, then I'm going um, usually lightening it up. Uh, nope. <clears throat> Check in from the uh, the mechanic, getting updates on the uh, the Evan Rude. Can you hear He's me? not crying. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he said it started. There you go. So, um, is. Texas rig, all you really need to do is adjust on uh, adjust on your weight size, um, and again, kind of just your color change. Darker, I think, if you're going to fish up the river here, you get a little bit of stain. You throw your blacks or purples, um, stuff like that, and then on the lower end, you know, some sort of uh, purple. Cool. That's, so it's inside for the in, for the, the hardcore. <laughs> you hardcore just keep going. Huh? Got it. Got it. We know you only visit um, like once in a while. We know you're not here all the time. Word. Um, second approach is Magnum Shaky Head. So what? What about that? So you said, what? What are some of your favorite big worms? The Texas rig. Yeah. So Texas rigging. I'm really just doing some sort of old monster. You know, whether that's missile as the tomahawk, it's okay. I've caught some some big ones out here, but dude, just a tried and true zoom old monster is pretty hard to beat. Um, yeah, it's, it's just hard to beat the, the plastic. It's hard to beat the tail size. Pick, pick your poison on your, on your curly tail worm, dude. They're, they're a pretty straightforward mold in my opinion. Yeah. They got a good selection too. 
Got all the ones you need. Yeah, Red for bug, sure. Plum. I'm a big green up 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 here. I'm a big green pumpkin magic kind of guy. Yeah. It's funny that's you say weird, that. That's a, that's a weird green pumpkin though. Maybe it's just the color of the picture. Probably. <clears throat> Who's their photographer? <clears throat> Probably like some kid in the warehouse. <laughs> Some 18, 16-year-old YouTuber from Alabama that's taking pictures his, for Zoom. On his iPhone. Probably. Hey, good lighting will do it, dude. All right, so the other deal um, with at least our lake here specific with with kind of that offshore rock that I was talking about, that like rock transition stuff is, is Magnum Shady Head. So, again, half ounce, three-quarter ounce. And then this worm, I just picked up just to try it. It was at one of the shops. Is that six cents divine shaky head? Kind of a weird design, but I mean, I've caught I caught two good ones on it last week. I picked up like their kind of like their bluegill magic, I guess. Green pumpkin magic, a little bit of blue, a little bit of purple to it. Um, but it's not something on the worm that I'm gonna do like a seven inch. Like if I'm gonna if I'm gonna go for a big one out deep, I'm throwing at least a nine inch worm up to a 13 inch worm. Um, Is there a specific, specific shaky head you like that's uh, good for big worms? So I don't know. It's whatever one Scott sells at hog farmer. I don't know if they're labeled as hog farmers or not, but I think these ones are seven out, seven out hooks. That's beefy. Yeah, because it's hard on a 13-inch worm, dude. I from For those 13-inch worms, I'm throwing an 11 knot from owner. I mean, it looks like a shark hook, dude. <laughs> but you have, I mean, otherwise, I mean, a 7 or a 6 on a 13-inch worm is just, it, it's nothing on the plastic. So, um, the only other thing I don't have one is we'll do a wobble head. Um, we have huge crawdads in this lake. I had a guide client from March, um, guide client from March that took a picture of one that he caught off of his dock with a Mr. Twister tail to show his kids. And he put it on a paper plate and Rich, I'm not exaggerating. It's almost as big as my hand. I mean, it was a straight baby lobster. So we do end up throwing wobblehead right now. We have a really big, nice full moon. Um, some sort of big appendage bait. So a biffle bug, a destroyer, something just kind of like a big brush hog, something that's just Nan flapping. Pig, like... Yep. Yep. hundred percent. Yeah. Something just five inch, big, ugly plastic, three quarter ounce wobble head and, and just dragging, dragging it super, super slow and, and kind of catching those rock transitions. And that's, you know, with the rock transition stuff too, is if you don't get a chance to fish a lot, a, a good mental note of, of dragging is you're going to be able to feel, yeah, perfect. You're going to be able to feel where that transition goes from either big to small or small to big is always remembering guys to slow down when you hit your transitions. So if you're dragging and you're dragging four inches every time, six inches every time, and, and this is a big thing with guiding right now for offshore stuff is, I'll have my clients kind of describe to me what they're feeling as they're mm -hmm. pulling it in. And once I hear them say something like, okay, it's getting stuck harder or <clears throat> it feels more spongy is making sure that you guys are, are leaving those baits there. Cause even though they're super aggressive right now and it's summertime and they're, you know, their metabolisms are going crazy. 
sometimes you have to dead stick a bait on the bottom for them to slam it. Um, and I, I think that's kind of another, another hard part to, um, yeah, counting rocks, essentially smoking a smoking five cigarettes or checking your phone for two and a half minutes. Once you hit a, hit a big rock, you like you cast out, you drag till you feel the rocks, you watch a TikTok. Then you drag it and then you watch another TikTok. So. Yeah, TikTok, TikTok rock, bro. TikTok rock. TikTok rock. Um, so that that's a big part of that, a big part of that offshore deal is um is don't get caught into fishing it fast because you're gonna get a lot of your bigger bites where there's some big one that you can't see on live scope that's stuck on the bottom that has been following your bait for 15 feet and you just gotta let it sit for 20 seconds. Mm-hmm. Um so but yeah, that that's a that's a great bait for a for a wobble head. So yeah, absolutely. So I think this is a good time to reset. Like we're a little sure. we're a little over an hour in. If you came in late, uh, we've got Billy Coles joining us from uh, Smith Mountain Lake Bass Fishing Guide Service, and we he is talking specifically about a lot of things he sees at Smith Mountain and Norman and those area lakes. But I think a lot of these principles apply for most of the the mid south and just about all over the country. I mean, I think a lot of things apply even to Minnesota. Yep. Um, question on the on the wobbleheads and the creatures do you switch colors do you still stick with the like the reds and the plums and the purples or do you go to more green pumpkins tramp stamps watermelon reds yep i'm going i'm going green pumpkin green pumpkin blue um you know a a big thing for me on the wobblehead deep stuff is i'm um i'm uh putting a lot of scent so smelly jelly like triple x crawdad like gooping it up dude butter in the bread like dude yeah Yeah. butter in the toast butter in the toast yeah don't let it touch your skin because you'll have uh suntan um suntan that'll go around it but um you know scenting something up because if it is going to sit there you want it you want it leaking something off while that fish is sitting right behind it yeah have you tried the bait fuel bro have you? No. Okay, I have a I have a question. I haven't. So me and Shannon, we just put a tackle warehouse order in. I don't think tackle I don't think tackle warehouse is selling. I think it's small number of distributors. I don't know. Really? He said he was looking it up. He didn't see it, but that is it not me. scented? For, I haven't tried it. From what I've heard, to the to the humans, it doesn't smell or taste like anything. Um, but supposedly the fish can sense it. Um, are we being I don't know. Sold? They, they came out so water? hard with their marketing. It made yeah. me think of like laser lure slash Livingston slash banjo banjo minnow that I just was like, it scared oh, me and I stayed yeah. away. Yeah. The no scent deal. I, I'd be interested to see the, maybe check out the website and see if there's any sort of like science explanation behind that. They but do. I just... and there's like, uh, I have a friend that really like has like took screenshots of their like commercials of like, it looks like a grad college grad student in like some fake Canadian college laboratory. And like, yeah. it's like completely staged and they've got these like fake graphs on there. Like, yeah. Um, I don't know. I've yeah, heard like, a few people being, like are, Gabe. I don't know if he's still in here. Gabe was in here earlier. He said he thought it worked. He thought, and then if other people say that, like, like, Oh, I think I just bought old hand, hand sanitizer that they did. <laughs> like. so I've heard both ends Dude, of it. I haven't tried it myself. Bro, what if it's COVID overflow just stamped yeah. bait fuel and the scent was just never added? <laughs> Yikes. Good point, Gary. I don't think bait fuel will work for frogs either. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. It's a jelly. 
interesting. Here's a good follow-up question on the wobblehead. <clears throat> are you are you dead sticking dragon the wobbleheads? So you're not doing the like just. <clears throat> I mean, I'll you do probably both. do at times, but a lot of times it's both or. Most times it's a slow drag, but I will put a one ounce one on and and more crank it. Um, you honestly, that's probably kind of more of a now scenario with it being a full moon. Um, so getting out, you know, a lot of my trips are starting like four forty-five, five o'clock. We're definitely getting some still low, low light type crawdad activity stuff. Um, you know, I would say I get a lot more bites dragging than I do reeling it in like a crankbait. So, but tell you what, that is a talk about them ripping a rod out of your hand as a wobblehead up on on well, some rocks and stuff, and, and then grabbing. Here's it. Here's, I don't know if you've tried this one thing. I, cause I feel like bobbleheads, when you work them like how they originally designed, like I mm -hmm. feel like the hookups aren't the best. Yep. So, what I have been doing is Tokyo rig and fishing it like a wobblehead. Yep. Cause then you get that like three inch separation. Sure. Right? So, and, and I don't know, like a lot of our bottom up here is kind of silty and soft. So, like the sure. wobblehead, like just sometimes just gets down Gigs. in there too much. Right. Like, really, like. Yep. Whereas the that'll keep it up a little bit, and 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 I think the other thing is like when they get the wobblehead right, like they're, it's kind of like you're dragging a, a Texas rig, right? If it's a wobblehead, and they come and they get the whole thing, and they got that big football head in their mouth, and when you go to set it, you got to pull that three quarter ounce one ounce through their lips, right, Ow. to get the hook yeah. in. And I think sometimes that you know, especially because you're Texas rigging it, you don't always get a great hookup like you would on a football jig, right? Yeah. But with a Tokyo rig that comes down three inches or whatever. They don't typically get the weight in their mouth. They get just the bait and the wire usually probably still sticks out their mouth. And then when you set the hook, it's all bait. So I what think are you doing on your hook on your Tokyo? Like, are you doing like a three out? Depending on what, yeah, a three out or a four. And I kind of typically just use their regular like uh, round bed one, right? Not yep. the EWG, but just the regular round bed version. And you put a Kitek on there. You put a sure. some kind of structure bug or whatever. It's a, it's a pretty good rig. And then you know versatile because like you can flip it you can drag it you can like biffle yep. head it like yep yeah I, ha I know will threw a lot last fall as a backup bait um as a backup bait for us like when i was throwing like a wiggle wart he'd throw mm -hmm. he'd throw a wobble head kind of down and through some stuff um i do know that that kai tech deal on a on a tokyo could definitely be a deal i just mm -hmm. i haven't i haven't really messed with it that much greg was probably out fishing Greg. He's up there in the promised land of the Brainerd area where the, the fish are big and dumb and plentiful. <clears throat> Just out fishing on a work day, huh? Yeah. Life. Uh, cool. Do you want me to keep rolling through these baits? So, so yeah, I mean, so you kind of said for how deep we've kind of recapped for people maybe trickling. It was like, you sure. like a big swim bait, you like a big crankbait, a big worm, a, a, yep. a big wobblehead. And then let's go. Uh, you want to go the small side out deep? Yeah. So, you, so you, do you do much in the middle, or you kind of like stick to the extremes? Nope. Uh, not really in the middle, man. I really just yeah. I'm looking for that first big bite, and then if not, I'm seeing if I can play clean up with something smaller. So just to, I guess, I'm guessing it's drop shot in two point eight after that. Yeah, definitely. So <laughs> let me do this, and then I'll show you guys the. Oh, I did. I did have a wobblehead. Like, there's a green pumpkin blue. If you guys can kind of, I don't know if you guys can see that blue or not, but like a little bit of it. But again, seven seven sixty four on that one. 
Worms a 735. Um, most of the lines 16 to 18. Don't really go up to 20. The water's a little too clear, and I think 20 is just overkill, honestly. I'd rather get more bites and break off every once in a while. So, big, dumb, and plentiful. <laughs> All right, so the other side to out deep, kind of like Rich just talked about, the the holy grail of guiding is 2-8 uh, Kaitech, Guppy Head. And Do you like then, the, Matt, the Matt Stefan Guppy Head, you said? Uh, yeah. Or, yep. Guppy head. I did find actually, Rich, I should, I should show this off cause it's a little sneaky thing I just found, but, um, off Instagram, believe it or not, but all right. Kai tech, um, any sort of translucent shad color for us. You can see a little bit better. One thing I have been doing because gas is too expensive. Bait's too expensive. Everything's too expensive is, I picked up a little Instagram trick. I don't remember who it's from, but that is a uh, just a regular like wacky, uh, you know, wacky ring or whatever. Mm-hmm. That will save you maybe three three more fish on a tie tech. Doesn't affect the action because we're talking about it up in front of the hook. But basically, you're running this on before you put the two point eight on, and you're you're butting it up against the hook. This one's a little ripped from earlier, but. Putting that on, that way I don't have to glue it every time with guide clients because that can get too time consuming is that ring has been saving me, you know, probably a pack of Kytex a day if uh, if we get on a day where they're really biting. So, yeah, you can do the same thing with the uh, the Arsenal bands, cut them in like half. They'll do the yep. same thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think any sort of any sort of way to kind of keep it attached like that. You, so know, you put the it, ring on the head and then thread it like you would normally. Put the ring on the bait first. That's what I meant. Sorry. Yep. Over the head of the swim bait on the bait and then yes. thread it on. Yep. 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 So, you know, and if it's you fishing and you can rig and, and wait for the glue to dry, if you do glue in that, I mean, dude, you can you can catch eight or ten before you really gotta think about uh before you really gotta think about changing it. But I just know these things are getting crazy expensive, dude. I think they're like eight or nine bucks a pack now. Um, but as a reminder, another way you can save <laughs> is by using the code on the bottom of the screen at Omnia. Duh. So you use that and Billy's trick, and you're basically putting free gas in your tank. Pretty much. I mean, yeah, it's it's literally you're putting money back in your 401k. They'll, they'll be paying you to go fishing with those tips. Yep. Um head size so so this is important on a 2.8 and this is this is the head that i'll show you oh you know what i don't know if i have the heads in here i'll look for them real quick but um 316th is probably my start because at that point what i'm assuming is happening if i can't get myself or a guide client to get a drag bite is those fish are high or they're looking up so i'm casting something i'm telling them to count to two to four max reeling reasonably fast um, to kind of get, you know, for example, like today I posted the guy's smallmouth that's coming off of a, you know, rock, rock hump that's in 14 feet and that smallmouth just came and crushed it. So high in the column, but I also will have another swim bait on again. There's your double eye, Rich, um, is I've got every basic size that they have, but being able to fluctuate with your fall rate, a lot of times on shad lakes, like we have here, we get um, what we call like a pendulum bite where the fish do not want to eat it when it is moving. They will only eat it when it's on a fall. Good one, Rich. Good job, Rich 17. 
You're the man. Yep. So, so pendulum bite, that's definitely something like you have to check. And again, that's a, that's a live scope trick is, all right, if you blast it out four times and six of them follow it out of the brush and not one of them bites and you go with a lighter head or a heavier head and you blast it and you let it drop straight into the brush and all of a sudden the line jumps, then I know that's the type of bite that we're going to try to get or, or kind of repeat as far as a pattern as a pendulum bite that day. So, um, Rod, I think, I don't know if you have this rod, 732? No. What do you throw your two 702? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 702. 702, 702 and a 742, but not a 732. Yep. Sweet. Um, so. But that's your 2.8 rod. 2.8 rod. That's your 2.8 rod, 732? Yep, seven thirty for offshore, yeah, 732. Any any two power spinning rod will throw a two point eight great. Yep, yep. Um, big thing for us here is line size. I'm doing six or seven pound line um, on a two eight. So that's just water clarity bite. Like you know, you just get your drag set right. This is hands down number one. What most guide guide clients are gonna catch fish on here. <clears throat> I had somebody catch a six ninety eight two years ago on a two eight. So. Um. And are you doing braid to leader? Yep. Yep. 10 pound or 16 pound uh, X plasma. And then I tie a crazy Alberto. I don't, I don't have time to tie it. Like how, how long a leader are you running on your 2.8s? Three pulls. So whatever. So 15 plus feet. Yeah. Yeah. 15, probably feet. Pretty long yeah. leader. Yep. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. I'd say at a minimum it's 15 feet. And part of that is probably also back to like you're going to retie for them. You'd rather retie the head five times and not have to retie the leader. <laughs> yep. yep, million percent. I could do. I mean, last time I saw Josh, dude, he was like, "You need to learn the FG." Because I think for him, I mean, he's tying 40, 50 yards of uh, fluorocarbon on with his FG. Chad does the same, like super, super long leaders, just so that they don't have to retie it all the time. But, At that point, what's the purpose of the? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, make long casts. Right. But I mean, like you're getting a lot of fluorocarbon. I don't know. That, that that seems a little counterintuitive. I think you get past 20 feet. I don't know that it's really braid to floral yeah. anymore. It's straight yeah. floral. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And a little bit of green line. So, but yeah, two point eight is definitely the cleanup bait. The majority of the time, drop shots kind of the other. But again, if I the, know the two point eight caught the big one for Pat when we were out. Yeah. Right at the end of the day, he cleaned it up. He, he yeah. He was... I mean, dude, it just it gets bit, and it, it, in my opinion, it's the majority of what all the fish are eating. I mean, we had a big school of smallmouth come up behind us yes or Monday. Same thing, dude. I mean, they're kicking minnows out that are just dinks, and they're just that's that's just what they're eating, and that's what they're going to eat until all those fish either get eaten or we get into winter. So, um, would anybody in the chat care to guess how many bass? that rich has ever caught on a 2.8 in his life oh boy pull it <laughs> i'm not gonna set up a poll but just go ahead and see you can you can guess how many how many fish this guy's caught on a 2.8 in his life is it negative <laughs> it's the same number of 2.8s that i own gary got it look at that my frog guy gary he knows <clears throat> oh that's not like a oh <laughs> Yeah, so dude, that 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 pretty much covers. And I don't, I, and I know they work. It's just that I don't know. Just can't do it. What about? I, I do not have a discount code for the Camus, but I can promise you that if you call into Marine and tell them I sent you, they'll they'll take care of you. They're they're good people to work with. So nice, that's awesome, dude. 
You don't uh, you don't skip a two eight under docks. You know, if I lived down where you were, the docks were deeper. I probably would, but I don't know. Yeah. That skipping a two point eight on a two foot dock is really gonna yeah not really do anything. And the thing is that up here where we live, I think the bluegills and perch would just destroy oh, your two point eights before yeah. you like yep. Yeah, no, I I agree with that. Yeah, if if you don't have six feet under a dock, I don't I don't know that that's a, a clutch move. Actually, I think I think he mentioned I talked to him today. And he's like, "Who is this guy? We only have." He's like, uh, he's like TJ Hines, and I was like, "I'm okay." And I was like, "I think," and he's like, "We only have two friends or one friend in common on Facebook, and it's you." And I was like, "Yeah, I know him." Nice. They are they just a Camus dealer? Uh, Camus, Vexus, uh, Phoenix. I think Triton still too, but all the X. <laughs> nice. Um, let me let me see if I got that as other swim bait. Uh, for the uh, we've had it since Friday, Bendetto, and it's been it's pretty good. So I, I put out a video on uh, on Monday, kind of showing it off, but loving it so far. More to come. That's probably how I feel about a, a Ned, Tim. I guess. Tip from Greg on the the uh, FG tie a loop and braid. Use my knife with belt clip. Hook it on a drop shirt. That's that's why that's exactly simple. why he ties the Alberto. Knot. Yes, <laughs> like, sounds super simple, Greg. Can you send me a twenty step process for it? Yeah, send him a TikTok. All that works, Greg. Yeah, can you do it in fifteen mile an hour wind too when you're out on the main lake, please? Nice, awesome. How's that boat fit in the garage, Rich? Perfect. I don't even have to put the. I got to swing the tongue, but I don't even have to lower the motor. So nice. Do you do? Uh, I don't know if you can see it or not. I got bells back here. Do you do the bell trick on backing in? Because, dude, I've definitely, I've definitely got holes in the back of the garage. I'm working on. I got to come up with a system so I can do it without getting out and checking. And yeah. So I, right now I've got like a two by six on the floor so that I can just go up to that. But yep. Gotta do the bell, bro. I think it's like a I think it's like a dog bell. Yeah, sure. it's a dog bell, but I don't know. It saved me some uh some wall holes, but All right, let's see here. Uh, Hayden says his season's been kind of tough this spring on Smithville. Well, came in late, Hayden. I think you might want to rewind, and you can catch uh, Billy's one-two punch on what's working right now. So you can, I don't know, you should be able to rewind on Facebook or on uh, on YouTube and catch that. Um, I mean, Hayden, the spring, the spring was, it fluctuated a lot, man. I mean, I, we were in the fifties i left and went on a two-week vacation i came back we were back in the 40s like we've we've had 10 degree temperature swings probably five times this year already which it's kind of drawn them in different different directions and then usually we get some pretty hefty spring rains or like hurricane residues in the fall and dude i can tell you rich last fall we didn't get any rain man it was Hmm. tough for a lot it was tough for months because we had 15 foot clarity i mean dude it was just insane so billy like to use hard swim baits and post spawn and large swim baits for all those large hungry females i'm hungry females so i don't like the big 
gills or hard baits or glide baits or that kind yep. of stuff? Yeah. So I will jump in that on the shallow stuff for, for me, pre-spawn is, is I, I find it that most lakes are one or the other, honestly. Like you can go to one, like Chickamauga is like a hard, hard swim bait over a soft swim bait substantially in my, in my opinion, with my experience, Smith mountains, the opposite. I don't know how many fish I've had follow a glide bait. That's a shad glide bait from a dock and not hit it to where you skip a mag draft under there. You throw a mag draft on a windy point and they gobble it. Hmm. And I just, I just don't know what causes that glide bait deal. There's some dudes that mess them up out here on the, on the glide, but I have not figured out whether that's a cadence or size or color or what it is um, on the shad side. But I will say on the shallow side, and I have three that are that are down here on this tackle box. I do throw a bluegill glide right now. Yeah, and, and so. that's right. And I guess that's partly is when you're fun fishing, you're probably playing around those. But letting a guide client throw a an eighty dollar bluegill bait's not really high on your list of priorities, probably. <laughs> yeah, slide that eighty dollar bluegill yeah. bait right next to that dock post. <laughs> yeah, you see that six inch overhang? There's a six pounder under there. Can you get that swim bait right in the tree? And then they just fling it right in the tree. Yeah. Um, so I think each lake is a is a little bit different. Um, I think in general, I don't really pick up big baits. And again, this is counterintuitive to some of the guys out here because some dudes smash them on glides and mag drafts and big paddle tails when it's slick, calm and sunny. But for me, I'm really only picking those baits up when it's really crappy weather conditions, super windy, cloudy, like prefrontal, just kind of nasty, nasty weather. And that's when I can really get that dialed. Um, if I don't have those weather conditions on a weekend for a tournament, I'm usually not even picking it up. Um, so uh we talked about poppers you got a favorite popper for those Ooh. those uh bluegill beds so god rich you, you might kill me baits? yeah so i definitely throw up i throw a prop bait more than a popper um but you're probably going to kill me for this will if he's listening is going to kill me for this um i actually like the guggen popper so I, for some reason, seem to catch a lot on the Guggen Popper as opposed to like, you know, I've tried the Six Sense X, I think is Six Sense an X Splash. I don't remember. I don't know what theirs is, but they they have a big popper and I've definitely caught some big ones on their big popper. Um, a Strike King one, I just don't seem to get a, as many hits where I don't know if it's just the the color on the Guggen's bluegill one with that yellow tail gets them going a little bit more. Um, Will throws, what is it, P90? That's what you had in your hand, right? <clears throat> no, I had the uh, yellow magic in my hand. Yellow magic, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'll throw a Rico if it's me fishing. Um, but to, to me, a Rico's maybe a little bit too beaded. It's more of kind of like a shad popper than it is a than it is a bluegill popper. I'm really when I'm working that popper, I want the big like go boonk. Like I I want that really loud, good cup bubble as opposed to you know something that's kind of splashing splashing water out. So not necessarily saying the Guggen one's super dope, but that just seems to be what I'm getting bites on. It could be the color too. Like I said, it's got a it's got a really unique kind of brownish translucent color, and it's got a yellow tail, uh, yellow tail feather on it. Um, 
But transitioning to what you said, Rich, I throw a prop probably eight out of 10 times as opposed to a bumper. So let me, uh, let me grab those or grab that matter. So this I actually do let clients throw, even though it's, I guess we'll call it expensive. I think these are like 18, 20 bucks. Um, but it's a black label prop aid. So it kind of looks like the old Brian's bees or whatever. Yeah. Brian's bees. Um, I, I want it to be balsa. I want it to, to be up high. I want it to have kind of some custom coloring to it. Um, specifically on bluegill eaters, this, this would be another uh, like key thing or very small observation is everybody's bluegills in my opinion are slightly different. Smith mm-hmm. mountain has bluegills that have this blue. It's like an ocean. I mean, some of our bluegills, I swear, dude could live on a reef in the ocean. They're that turquoise. And so I kind of took that observation when we first moved here of like, you know, I've just never seen them be so vibrantly blue sure. um, or like, you know, I don't, obviously there's different kinds of brim and stuff like that, but we have other ones that have really, really defined orange lines on their fins. So when I look at a bait, whether it's one that's, you know, custom painted from somebody else or one that comes, you know, I mean, these are hand painted obviously, but I'm looking for a small accent like that. Um, that I think is kind of the small differences that you can kind of pick apart with what your bluegills look like. Some lakes have super dark bluegills. I mean, I've been to lakes and caught straight up black ones. Like you, you kind of got to pay attention to those little things, but. Especially when you're chasing the ones that are in 18 inches, when the water six foot visibility, they're getting a really good look at that prop. <laughs> really, really good look. Um, so yeah, it, it, matching it as close as you can. So black label makes a super, super dope prop. Um, I don't change the hooks on these. These, these seem to hold well. The, the other kind of trick that I will show everybody is prop baits can be pretty annoying. Um, when it comes to, I'll show you guys again, when it comes to line looping on your bait. And so this is just four generic black bobber stops that are going to keep that extra part of that line super stiff. There is a specific knot. I tried to learn it while we were in Florida this year because um, I was throwing straight braid on it where you can stiffen out your line, you know, three, four inches. Yeah. Um, but the bobber stop is way faster and works just as well. So if you don't throw something on the front of the line like that, you're probably going to get your stuff tangled up five out of 10 casts um, and potentially ruin a bite because what can happen a lot of times is these fish are going to submarine up and just be right behind this bait. And you're sitting there, you got to pull it to do a pop and you're tangled up. So bobber stops is a, is a killer way to killer way to kind of fix that. Okay. What's it called? Bimini knot? Bimini knot, I think. Okay. Yeah. I just need to research it and tie it. Just remember to slide the stops up your line before you retie. Yes. So you're not going through four barber stops at a time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Cause uh, barber stops are going to be $17 a pack in a couple months. So, um, so prop bait most of the time. Now, the the one thing, and we didn't really talk about this before, but this is this is the other thing you kind of have to hammer in your head. Whether it is a popper or a prop bait, you are fishing insanely slow. This is not a rip, pause, rip, pause, rip. I'm making clients count to 10. It's it's painfully slow. 
Um, but what I'm either looking for is if they get a good cast that's say on a shade line or on a corner of a dock or something like that, I'm looking for either that fish to come out and explode on this thing or the only other way that you're going to get bit on this is they are going to submarine up from whatever structure they're at. And they are going to, like you said, Rich, stare. They are literally just going to stare at this thing, which is why you need something that's got the profile of a bluegill. Because all those fish are waiting for is they're just thinking that that's a bluegill up high on the surface. And when you do that light twitch of the prop, it's a bluegill nipping at a bug or, or something like that. And they straight up annihilate it. But it's, it's something where, again, TikTok rock, TikTok cigarette, whatever you want to do, pull up the TikTok. Each cast should be taking you three minutes minimum. Um, you know, it, it, it's something that a lot of dudes would Gary say, I'd be pissed. <laughs> That's the, the, the biggest bass that I have caught doing this and guide clients is a 10 second pause. And it's on the tail end of 10 seconds. Um, and it, it, again, it's the same thing with the popper. If you can get that big bloop out of it, let the ripples calm, let that draw power kind of pull fish in. And, and get another big one out of it is that's that's when you're going to get smoked. Having good glasses, paying attention to kind of what's around, that's all um, that's all really important with this. But from the other aspect of covering water on it, I know it sounds like we're fishing it crazy slow. Is you're only throwing back in this stuff two times. I mean, they're either there and they're going to come out on it, or they're not. So you're throwing this two times and you're skipping a senko under the structure and you're gone. I was going to say, do you ever have them come out and flash on the top water? No, you didn't. Then you, <clears throat> all right, this is where we, we slide the Senko back in and just dead stick it until he eats yep. it. <laughs> yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. Let the Senko fall to the bottom. Let it sit on the bottom. I don't care. Um, and, and this next day, you can also, just set the rod down. I'll tell you when I see that right. Or yeah. that right line start to move. <laughs> yeah. Go get a water and sit on the back deck, apply sunscreen, uh, do whatever you need to do. So, um, I fluctuate between a leader, a leader or going straight braid, just depending on my water clarity. Like we got some serious, like early summertime rains the last two nights, like straight up downpours waking me up in the middle of the night. So switching to braid on those days where I know the backwater is going to be kind of turned around. Also, if your brim beds are towards the main lake, especially for us out here, but this would apply to Tonka and everything up in Minnesota, dude, would be you have boat traffic that's just ripping into those, those brim bed areas and, and going straight braid at that point. And I feel pretty confident that you can still get the bites on it. So, mm-hmm. um, and then rod 703, I think you like the 703 for top now yeah. poppers. Yeah. Same yeah. Thing. Pop, yeah. Poppers and, and, and kind of sticking with that 734. If I, for some reason feel like they're just not getting it as, as hard as they should, but, um, let me show these glides real quick. So, I don't know. Was that Greg talking about the glides? I don't remember. So, um, this is more draw power stuff, in my opinion. So, Gantrell, this is more right? like, yeah, it's again, what is it, Gantrell Jr.? Yeah. Is, I might be using something like this pre-tournament where I'm checking 30 brim piles and I want to see what I can draw out from the laydowns or the docks to see if I'm dealing with real, real big ones or kind of medium sized one. Yeah. Like that's a perfect Smith mountain color dude with the orange, orange and the blue. Um, so again, this is a floater also, 
So going back to that same concept that, in my opinion, the bluegills that they're eating are not the ones that are sitting down directly in the bed. They're looking up at bluegills. They're, they're ambushing the ones that are eating a bug or stupidly swimming up at the surface. You know, like we have, I call them chicken nuggets. We have little brim that are like three inches long right now that you can tell are just new to the world and have no idea what they're doing. Um, and just getting, Nemo's just kind of wandering their way. Around. Yeah, basically. Yeah. They kind of do look like little Nemo's. Yeah. Um, yeah. Two or three of them together. One peels off. Boom. You hear a splash. Like he's long gone. So the floater side on, on the big swim bait, you will catch some on it. You're not going to catch a ton on it. In my opinion, it's, it's more of, of kind of searching it. So that's a, you know, that's one you can buy. And then these kind of goobery looking ones are custom painted ones, but that's that teal I'm talking about. Um, a chin spinner. Fancy. Yeah. Fancy, fancy, right? That dirty water chin splinter. So this is a guy, here's another kind of tealy color. I've had him go hardcore on the, on the tail side. It's called 3F Customs out of Northern Virginia, but you know, I don't know what, I don't know what blanks these are. I mean, I'm assuming that's an evergreen blank and I have no idea what this is, but I had him kind of go shop colors just to kind of grab more of that attention. But these are both floaters also dot corners is probably the best place to throw it. If you can get a nice, good cast to where you're getting a C turn, you know, right around that dock is when you'll have one kind of come up right on it and look it straight in the face. So, so yeah, that's those. Um, have you ever tried, you have you ever tried the depths buzz jet? I have not. Show me what that looks like. If they have it here. Got him on Marion on the depths buzz jet. Freaking Marion, dude. I haven't been there. That like sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Did it ever get good? I mean, it, they, they, they live there, but like, it's just, yeah. like, to me, it's not enough fun like fish. So here's what the about one. like, oh, yeah, that looks nice. So it's like a prop bait, wake bait wake. combo. Yeah. It's a little big. I mean, it's three and three quarter inches. So it's probably not a little bad. smaller than the Gantrell, bigger than yeah. most of your poppers and prop baits, but it might be something you might. I know you don't like to order stuff from like tackle warehouse and places and you're trying to like keep yeah. your tackle selection down, but yeah. yeah. Who said that? My wife, <laughs> but I find like fry guard or bluegill beds. Like it's a pretty good bait. Yeah. Another, another one that people have been talking to me a, a little bit about that. Just again, I probably wouldn't do it with guide client stuff, but um, square billing back in those same spots with yeah. like, you know, basically like a wake bait bluegill one and just beating mm-hmm. it into the lay down and stuff seems to, seems to trigger some bites. So yeah. more of a, more of a tournament tactic. Less of a yeah. Tournament. Yeah. I think that's kind of more of a tournament deal. So um, otherwise, I feel like, God, <laughs> that's um, Morgan, you're an idiot. <laughs> How about oh, have I ever been that? hooked by a guide client? Everyone, uh, I have been hooked by a couple guide clients, a couple hat ripoffs, but Morgan Overstreet has hit me in the face nice. um, with with a crankbait. Nice. So, um, yeah, luckily I had my glasses on, uh, but yeah, that's that's <laughs> that's Cooter's story. I assume Gator's talking about the temperature or that um... is the fishing as hot as Billy Gators? Jeez, boy, coming in strong, dude. Either that or it's, Taylor has, has changed her moniker. To... <laughs> <laughs> she's 
She's in the kitchen just making yeah, making, making up YouTube screen names to ask questions, evidently. Right. Uh dude, I'm telling you right now, I could probably wring my shirt out, but um worm so worm wise, Batefield's worked like maybe better than anything. The thing is, like, here it comes if it gives you confidence, whether it worked or not, if you think it works, it's probably gonna work. Yep, for sure. So, for sure. If you go out thinking this is this why did I waste eight bucks on this and I don't think I'm gonna catch him, it's probably not gonna work. <laughs> so yep. Yeah, that all that all transcends down the line. Come on, we all know that. Could try that, especially if they're like high float beads. Sure. Yeah. I don't know if there's really anything to it as far as like you know, I I haven't messed with it enough, but I wonder. I do wonder if you could do something weird like a bead or a color or something like that, some sort of draw. You know, draw a color on the front to keep. I know, keep I know a lot of times, like, uh, so it's not exactly the same, but like ring fries, I will uh, peg a bead or two in front of them. And sometimes I'll go with black, or sometimes I'll go with green, or sometimes I will make like a red bead or something like that in front of it. Yep. it it's like a super lightweight just to get your ring fry like a little bit, you know, when it's windy, but also will get a little movement, a little flash. So, sure, sure. I think we were talking about ring fry when we were fishing. You you still chucking them bad boys or what? I caught I caught uh, a nice fish on Sunday on it, flipping it in the reeds. Yeah, dude, I smoked them last September here on a shaky head with it because it was just stupid tough, and I was like, whatever, I'll just put this ring fry on, and then I started whacking them. Ah, he's saying it's a Imakasi Roid replica, the one the, you big, didn't know what it was. the bigger one. Probably. AJ Linder's checking in, talking about his walleye rigs. <laughs> uh, Yamamoto Ned, yeah, like it's crazy how many companies are basically, whether it's Yum or Yamamoto, they're like, all right, or or even the Max Stand General, right, the Little Trooper, right, they're like, we sell ten of these full size for six dollars. We're gonna cut three inches off the bottom and give you the same amount and we're actually going to charge you more for less more. to buy it. You will buy it. I will not buy it. But Hayden's heading to the St. Lawrence. He's got the right idea. Should be killer out there. <laughs> I know, Sleeper. Taylor. Ooh, that's a, right. that's a good question. Let's talk about that for a second. Do you, do you fish, so first, do you fish the dark sleeper? I that's have a couple. I have yet to get a bite on it. It's like it seems like certain people like they go to the lakes they either chomp them or they don't. Yeah, I, don't I wish they had some more like natural colors, dude. The colors are just kind of wonk. So the new, but didn't they, the sleeper gill? I think like they kind of revamped some of their colors, didn't they? Not that. You yeah, there's definitely either, but... a couple that I've seen on Instagram that I would consider that I would consider being like, okay, that's that's passable. Like it's a, it's definitely like bright and out there. Yeah, I mean, dude, that's. I mean that's an evil crappie right there, but yeah. See, that's that's my that's my blue that I like for Smith Mountain right there. Yeah. So, but too bad you can't get them. So, good luck. Yeah. You you missed your opportunity. No, and that's that's definitely I've screenshotted a few from Instagram that that I favorited that I've put in. That to me is probably the number one bait that I've been thinking about for a couple of weeks on trying for brim eaters. Because from my understanding, it's got a pretty substantial size paddle tail. Um, and I just, I, I, I think you could chuck it around and, and probably get bit. So 
So he said the first one was an evergreen yes. ES flat, and the second was an Imikatsu. Cool. You got you have to go follow Tim Maynard on Instagram. He can help you with your big baits down there. He's a big 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 bait guy. I think big he's in North guy. Carolina. Yeah. Come on up in the spring, bro. Let's do it. Yeah, that that the the dark sleeper, dude. I threw it on some deep piles, like where I would have thought, like you know, I can see shad balls, and there'd be a bass or two on like a deeper rock pile, but. It's and then just, you then you throw a drop shot and get bit, and then you like, yeah yeah I'd throw the dark sleeper <laughs> ten casts, and then I'd throw a morning dawn and catch a five pounder and be like, why do I buy anything else? Yeah, dude, I love I love and hate a drop shot so bad. Have you tried the Yamamoto cowboy? Ahead, yeehaw! Um, I don't even know what that bait looks like, dude. What? It's like a big. Like creature bait Yamamoto hula grub looking thing. Like, like they just cut cut all the access off and threw it back together. I'll bring it up for you because I know I know you're not a bait junkie kind of guy, but I'll just show you just in case you want to see it. Oh wow! Eh, I want more than that on my wobble head. So this one's really like <clears throat> more tail, not much. Okay, tail. okay. How long's the bait? Four inches. Oh, okay. That's but it's like wide, time. like it's. Like much wider than like a chigger crow. Got it. Got it. Yeah, I mean that looks like something that yeah you probably want to throw now with the full moon. Hmm. Definitely would move some water. Yeah. Any old? You must have a good vibe with. Uh, he's with going the, to Willie already like, with the peeps. With the peeps. Matthew, um, he's like Willie, my boy. Like uh, yeah. So. God, I mean, Rich, I mean, he threw me under the bus as far as bait bait junkie guy. Dude, I, I try to keep it as simple as possible because I have to-ish. Um, I, I would say for me, Jersey is is a wiggle wart. That's probably my my favorite, like, okay, it's an old school bait. Like, mm -hmm. I have some pre's, I have some custom painted, I have some I just buy from the store. But if there's, like, baits that I want to go find or eBay or do anything like that, it's... It's wiggle warts. It's wee warts. Kind of the kind of the cranking stuff. As far as uh, yeah, boy, that's my juju. Yeah, th th this lake um, fall time. If if somebody was just asking me for like a thirty second elevator pitch on Smith Mountain, it's big swim bait and it's a crank bait lake. Um, more than anything, as far as, as catching numbers and size, that's how you're going to have your best days out here, our, our swim baits and, and cranks. Is that a pre? No, yeah, these are all pre's. What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't think, I, I don't think I own a wiggle worth That's not a pre. What are you talking oh, about? Oh yeah. Oof. What are they yeah. running these days on eBay? 40, 50 bucks probably. I don't know. I bought a lot of them on eBay. Not a lot, but a lot of them yeah. in really yeah. like bad colors. Like some of them, I mean, they're not all bad, but some are really funky, like weird colors, but yeah, yeah. So I've, I've owned a lot that's like slipped through the cracks and probably got them for less than five bucks a bait. Do you, you usually buy them in uh, like lots? I don't know. I just bought a, there was a period where I bought some and I don't know. Yeah. I mean, they all say wiggle ward under the. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Indented in. Yeah. yeah. And they got that weird, like, and they're all like got the seamless paint, right. Where they yeah. painted the whole thing the same. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, dude, I don't know. I mean, I just, Bait bait wise, not not really as far as like kind of the custom uh 
He was giving good vibes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Taylor, dude, like, Daniel Taylor probably packed her bags when she heard it and she'd probably go into an empty house. Yeah, she slammed the door. She's like, damn it, John B. And just slammed the door and <laughs> got in the car and rolled out. So no, my camera went out of focus again. Come on, come on, man. There we go. So yeah, dude. I mean, baits are baits are funny, dude. I mean, I feel like I don't know if a lot of fishermen go through like the evolution of it, but feel like you get caught up in tackle, and then like sometimes that pulls you away from keeping it too simple, like not simplifying it enough. And then you're, you're, you kind of get stuck in the weeds and then kind of go back. Like I was a big, you know, I, I get custom, custom colored crankbaits and glide baits. That's like, sure. that's my confidence deal is like, I want to have a crankbait that's slightly different than what everybody else is doing. Cause I know everybody's cranking. So I just rather have something that looks a little bit different. Um, but I definitely regressed back to like, I'm throwing black, white, green, brown, silver. And like kind of keeping it as keeping it as simple as uh as simple as I can. And then morning dawn basically. Yeah. Like <laughs> I've gotten that way. Like I literally like most of my plastics are like ten ninety nine or tramp stamp or yeah, whatever. Like it's like for sure. Yeah, I'll just throw black and blue or green pumpkin at the same time and they'll see one side of it and they'll bite it. Like <laughs> for sure, for sure. So let me go over this one last rod, um, Rich, just because I did want to show people this bait. Um Obviously a Senko, everyone should have a Senko on if they're going to go brim fishing. Like you just have Honestly, to do it. Sadly, it's all I can catch fish on lately in the post bomb is a freaking Senko or a wacky rigger in general. Sweet. TikTok, TikTok and stick. Um, so I'm not going to show it on that one because that's just a drop shot. But um, I just started playing with this and my buddy Shannon is, is pretty big on these baits, but to me, this is like very similar to the glide baits are an exact replica of what a bluegill is, but it's this geek wreck, mm. whatever, whatever their bluegill body shape is. It's just very bellows, bellows gill. Bellows gill, super lightly Nikoed. So again, kind of going with, you know, going with those fish, like the is chicken that the, nugget. One. Is that the two inch or the 2.8 or the uh, 3.8? Might be a three eight. Okay. Looks like a three eight. You could go to the two inch because what I mentioned earlier is we have these bluegills right now that are legit two inch little chicken nuggets. And this is dead on what they look like shape wise. And I think this is definitely something that's gonna catch a bass's eye just on the profile alone. And then obviously doing the Nico rig, if you're finding those brim beds. You're pulling it out of those brim beds to the nearest cover. This just totally looks like a bluegill on the bottom that came off the beds wrong and made a made a big mistake. Like so, Andy Gill, look at that one. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Everybody say. Mm-hmm. Mm. So that's that's been one that I've been playing with Nico rigs. Um, it's on a seven o two, like you know. Light line. I think I got it on a ten, eight or. You like a little knot. straight shank Nico style hook, right? Yeah, like a, like a G G finesse stinger hook or whatever, whatever that uh, Ailer hooks called, and super lightly dragging that thing around, hopping it around, and it 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 looks very very. Uh... Oh yeah, that's probably a good that's probably a good call. How big do they make them? 
They make a 5.8, which is oh yeah, quite a bit bigger than the three. So like the 3.8 is like a nice little snack size, and the 5.8 yeah. is like a it's a meal. It's like a slab crappie. Like yeah, it's they got a shad color. Uh, yeah, I mean they got uh, asking for a friend or. I'm just looking at the discount on the bottom. We went, we got we got in the wrong section. Okay, so you go five point eight. Oh, so a lot of those colors are not available in the fight. Well, that here. I mean, somebody's catching them on them. What's that top right color? The chartreuse and chartreuse white honeydew. Looks like a, some fruit. Interesting. Yeah, dude, it's a, it's a unique design. I like it. What uh, what size weight? Do you just put a little nail weight, like a little Dobbins nail weight in there? Or? Yeah, it's like a five sixteenth. There's it's something tiny. Five sixteenth over a three, quarter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three sixteenth or what's below a three sixteenth? An eighth. Yeah. Super, super lights, whatever, whatever the smallest nail weight is that they have, and I'll cut most of it off anyways. It's just enough to get it to be able to cast more than five feet. Honestly, I've caught a couple fish. I guess I don't have them with me, but they make uh, – you remember, like, uh, you probably don't use them. Oh, here they are. Here's a, like, this is, these little shorty two-and-a-half-inch tubes. Okay. They're fry garters. <laughs> and I've got – this one's kind of a sungill. Yep. And then i got another one that's kind of like a – white perch looking color and i literally so if i can't get them to eat the wacky rig i'll take the wacky rig off and just like thread this on the hook and throw it weightless and let it just kind of like bob and it's just like a little bluegill to you might need to get some of these for your yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. or on a drop shot like if they're really so like if they're kind of like doing the wide circle thing where they're really like sure. chasing right yep yeah and typically it weightless, like just kind of like flailing around down there will get them. But if they're like a little more locked on than a drop shot, this little shorty tube is just, and then you just, yep. you just thread it on, you know, that same Nico hook you're using. Right. And you just, yep. basically the hook comes out in front of the tunnel. So if they just even, they're just, they know, got it. Yeah. Like, yeah there's nothing nice. for them to miss. Yep. But yeah, the last two trips out, my biggest fish has come on that little tiny tube on fry garters. Just because you couldn't handle the Senko anymore? Well, they wouldn't eat the Senko. Like they wouldn't what respond about... to it. Like they, they would just ignore it. But you throw that Wimble. thing in, and all of a sudden it was like, yeah, they only see a thousand of them. Yeah, the only problem with the gee crack bellows is they're not very durable and they're not super cheap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, agreed. Hold on, Rich. No, it's not. It's live. <laughs> Love you. See ya. She goes, is it just one person? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honey, I'm just having two hours. She doesn't realize what a big deal this is. Yeah, oh, seriously. She's about to figure out who Gator Adventures is and have hands. Hayden wants to know if you're seeing many suspended fish right now on Smith Mountain. Hayden, it's like every every day you gotta you got to figure out what they're doing. So, so yes, but day to day. Yeah, day to day and really kind of the deal with with the suspended ones are are they're either going to eat that swim bait or they're not. And mm-hmm. after that it's 
you know, one bait I'll, I'll definitely have as a, as a backup one. And this is kind of like down the line, this would be me fishing is I'll, I'll rip a jerk bait through suspended fish out here, like as mm -hmm. fast as I possibly can, like throwing my arm out. Um, and sometimes that will get me a bite, but it's never a, like down the throat bite. It's a side of the face, like straight reaction deal. So if I find suspended fish, Hayden, um, um, if I'm not getting them to bite, I'm running to the next, I'm running to the next point to find active so schools. You eat the 2.8 or I'm out of there. Yeah. Eat it or I'm leaving. Don't make me tick tock and rock, dude. I don't have time. And that's where the, the, the front facing, right? You're seeing, are they reacting? Yeah. Are they chasing? Are they showing any interest? Yeah. It, it's, it's pretty, you know, we could talk about front facing for freaking days, it's very interesting how quickly you can find how they're acting to the point where, you know, you still can't make them bite. Like that's just, you know, I say that every guy trip, like, look, I can take you to the, every single time we'll be around fish. That's not the problem. It's you can't make them bite, but very seldom, at least on Smith mountain, does it take me more than 10 stops to at least get a bite going through 15 different presentations they will eat something whether it's out of negative reaction or finding an active school front-facing sonar on any lake i think this applies you can find either a reaction fish that's maybe not going to bite the bait great but at least it moved on it or active fish by just covering water and, and playing with enough baits as quick as you can so yeah, cool. I should also mention that Billy's got a YouTube channel. Oh boy, it's gonna do a thing. Uploads. It's a lot of stuff about Smith Mountain, what he's using, what season. When when he's when he's not slacking, he usually gives like a monthly like this is this is the five rods on my deck for Smith Mountain in August and May yep. and that kind of stuff. So if you're down in the area, there's definitely a lot of regional content that's uh, worth checking out. So just give that little nugget out there for people interested. Yeah. Thank you. I have uh, I have a pretty relaxed July. I was just talking to Shannon about it when we were fishing. Um, Cause he, he, uh, he's skeet Reese's video guy this year. So he has a big break too is um, I might try to do some very basic fishing fishing videos just because the clientele i'm taking out is never fished to a tournament angler most of them are kind of in the middle of like they can throw a spinning rod and and kind of that stuff so i don't know i might uh i might hopefully be uploading a little bit more in july i still have one video from florida i don't know if i'm even gonna do up i actually i actually didn't really like florida dude hmm. it was dude it was february full moon warming trend we should have smashed them on the beds and we had to like drag you know quarter ounce weights trick worms through like 200 yards stretches that we found fish on for four days straight like the biggest one we caught was minus that big big one that i caught was you know maybe a six pounder so I just didn't, I just didn't, it's, it's hard for me to drag for that many days that slow when sure. it's those weather conditions. So have you ever done Florida in the spring or no? I've never fished Florida. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know, dude, just from like grass at home and stuff in Minnesota, like, I don't know. There's way more. I mean, you did catch your PB on like your first cast, but. Well, <laughs> dude, the thing was 27 feet deep. I was doing what I do here. So. Did I ever tell you the story on that lake or no? No. 
Thanks, Tim Maynard and Thomas just threw you a couple subs, so you're on your awesome. way. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Rich. Um, no, dude, we drove 12 and a half hours, got to that lake, and it's a military base. And it like, luckily, the guy that I invited was kind of a, a, a new friend from this area, and he's ex-military. But dude, we pulled in and we're like, we just drove to a lake. We can't even can't even get on, and we know there's like 50 pound bags coming out of here like very frequently. But luckily, the the like lead guard guy or whatever talked to his um, higher officer, and they let us on for a couple hours. But man, I pulled in. I was like, nobody told me this is on a military base. <laughs> so, talk about tax dollars going to good work, dude. Nice. Or you can watch the video that when I went and fished with Billy, right here. You can. So you can see what kind of guy he really is. If you want to check him out, what he's really <laughs> like. If you want to see the the dark underbelly of uh, yeah. Smith Mountain Lake guides. Wait, oh, is that video right up from me? Right up from there? Is that bait fuel? Yeah. <laughs> it's everywhere, bro. It's everywhere. Nice. Dude, I think we covered it. Uh, if you guys came in late, I think we covered. Uh, Billy gave some good nuggets on some rigging stuff, some bait hacks, some good one-two summer punch uh, kind of presentations that should work just about all over the country right now. So uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you came in late, catch the replay on YouTube or Facebook, or if you want, you can just listen to the the soft soothing tones of Billy Coles on your MP3. Yeah. Just search Hellabass in your favorite podcast app and uh, get you get you some juice. And, Thanks uh, for having me on, dude. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're interested, you can check out his website. It's down in the link description below. His uh, guide service, if you're interested, or if you got buddies headed that way that want to get out fishing, Billy's a super good dude, and he's super knowledgeable, as you can tell. You know, you'll you'll probably catch some fish, but you're definitely going to learn a bunch <laughs> and have a good time. So awesome. Um, yeah, a couple of good feedback here. Thanks, Jr. Yeah, well, have to, maybe we'll do it again uh, this fall or. We'll do a we'll do a, a front facing show. Uh, maybe by the time I have my front facing, we can get we'll get a little nitty gritty on front facing and uh, and have yep. another show down the road. Yeah, for sure, dude. That that would be uh, that would be uh, that'd be solid, dude. Let me know when you have questions on the units or whatever. We'll talk. Yeah, the very my very first front facing fish was caught with Billy on Smith Mountain Lake. Yep, and then get down here in the in the ice season, bro. Absolutely. Yeah, so thanks, everybody, for coming on. Um, next week, probably have a stream. Probably do a member stream next week. Uh, stay tuned. We've got, got a tournament next week. we got to get the boat finished rigged. A lot of moving parts here. Um, so stay tuned. But as always, here to help you guys catch more big bass and suck less. Thanks, Rich. See ya. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
As always, thanks to all of you that hung in till the end of this podcast. This has been another episode of Hellabass Bass Fishing Podcast Experience. Please consider sharing this with any of your bass and buddies and friends. This is the best way for podcasts to grow is through word of mouth. Also, don't forget to search Hellabass on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, or just about anywhere else so that we can connect in more ways. As always, here to help you catch more bass and suck less. <laughs>